and we're live. Sheep, that's not your real name, is it? No, no, it's not my real name, Fran, no. And why are you forcing me to call you Sheep, Sheep? <laughs> uh, I suppose the reason being, I work for a large American corporation and, corporation, and uh, I had to sign an NDA with them, so probably easier for all involved if I just don't use my name and then I can kind of talk about what I want you can ask me what we want and then I don't have to be any concerns thinking should I say that shouldn't I say that etc okay and just for the benefit of everyone listening an NDA is a non-disclosure agreement what uh, like I've signed half a dozen of those when I visited different companies I've never really read them to be perfectly honest with you they hand you four sheets of paper and you say sign here at the bottom the gist of it is essentially that you're not going to they're not going to show you something that they do and then you're going off to tell you their competition or a newspaper or whatever it is. That's about right. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, or? that's exactly it, Fran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're not going to divulge any, I suppose, company secrets to anybody. And if you're working for uh, a company that makes you sign one, they don't want you to share any of the information or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, well, that's understandable, I suppose. What type of information like is there, like, without giving the name of the corporation, are you happy enough with the alias to name them? You don't uh, have to, obviously. No, but. probably just handy or just leaving it as, it, as it's just... Okay, no, that, that's... How about that, the biggest fine. corporation in the world? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> People can Google that and find out what it is. Um, so, what, what, do you, what do you do for them? So, I work for, work for them as a health and safety officer. So, the company I work with, um, they have a smaller sub-company that I work for, which works in... Um, web services so data center so i'm a safety officer in the data centers in dublin so the company i work for have 17 data centers in dublin alone and there's three safety officers in there and i'm one of the three so we'd be overlooking what happens in the data centers and making sure that they're obviously they're running safely and that they're running safely like as in as in the buildings run safely and everybody inside the building is doing what they should be doing you know complying with any company policies or any local regis- regulations that they need to comply with so you're the data center equivalent of a building site basically the safety officer in a building exactly site. Friend, yeah, everyone's yeah. making their heart wearing their hard hats the handrails aren't being taken off no one's setting the safety ladders on fire yeah all that all yeah that well, when I, when I i came from a construction background so i worked in construction safety for uh, a couple of years and um, before I, I i worked more in facilities management kind of safety is what i'm at now and when i was in construction safety you would be literally telling fellas get off that scaffolding, take that badge out of your mouth, stop messing there. You know, all that kind of, I suppose, like low-level, high-risk stuff that where they'd be doing extremely unsafe stuff where when it comes to this, um, it's that, I suppose, there's just policies for everything. Nobody really does anything wrong. So it's all real high-level, minor things that you're picking up on. Is this policy right? Um, ergonomic to set up correctly? Is that machine EU standard, all that kind of stuff, as opposed to some fella standing up on top of a scaffolding with no handrail while trying to hammer something in or, you know, driving a machine without a ticket. It, it's really like, uh, it's really minor things that you're kind of picking up on the whole time. N- nitpicking, essentially. Kind of, yeah. When you come from the construction industry where there's, you know, like cranes and lift, cranes lifting big, huge tanks and stuff over walkways and there's maybe 20 or 30 track machines in the one area with dumpers here and dumpers there and lighting not being great and then you go into a a finished uh, data center where everything has there's little lines marked walkways everywhere and everything is just real clean and like it's basically like um 
like what's the farm it's basically like going into a farmer kind of it's that it's that clean it's that well regulated and everything like, cleaner so, again nearly. yeah uh, or, nearly. A, or as clean at uh, least yeah in so uh, a data center itself um it's kind of split into four areas so you kind of have an admin area where everybody sits office staff work security reception is and then the actual data center itself has three components so it has um the electrical power the data storage itself and then it has the cooling system so inside the data storage part it would be literally spotless like a like a farm or like a a, clean an op- yeah a clean room an operating kind of room that kind of clean yeah okay and just to pair back a small bit i have a a vague notion of what a data center is it's essentially where cloud computing happens is that is that a fair yeah exactly example or description yeah, of it that's exactly what it is trying yeah so basically um a data center would consist of the the where to store the cloud storage component of it um i before i started working for this company i pictured that they were using all the storage for themselves but then when you actually come into the inside you realize that they might have maybe one percent of the storage that they create in dublin the rest of it they're leasing out to companies so just say for example you if you had a website and you wanted to save the information for people uh, buying materials on your website all that information is saved on servers all the banks in ireland basically anything netflix anything that requires you logging in or any kind of data being stored is saved in there and they're charging companies a premium to make sure that the data is there it's there all the time it's there when they need it and it's safe one and it's safe from um any risk of being a rack down or a drop where the electricity goes the next thing the server drops and people can't buy stuff for that kind of thing so inside the data center the three the two main risks are um security so security breach where somebody could break in and break in steal somebody information you know log into a server you'd be able to pull anybody's credit card details for anybody that ever bought something in just say example debenhams or something online that eBay they, or Amazon yeah or any, a- anyone, anyone like, like that yeah they'd be able to pull the information and then the second one then is power drops so they're really concerned about obviously if power goes to some of the servers or to the whole building and all the servers drop you're having big customer impact and so people can't buy the whatever it might be at that time to log into ebay as you could say go to click buy and they can't buy it because the servers are dropped right okay so there's big big there the two big emphasis and then i suppose safety they always put safety number one but really it's it's cost, customer impact and it's what to say whether somebody steals the information or whether somebody of the power goes so if you were to look at a data center in dublin to make sure that the power doesn't go um there's two separate supplies from the esb for each room so a data center is normally split into 10 different uh, data storage rooms and each data storage room uh, will have an electrical power room supplying it and then it'll have a cooling system supplying it as well so for each room there's two backup generators two electric supplies so if one electricity supply goes the second one kicks in if the other one goes which very rarely happens the generators kick in and the generators have up to two months worth of diesel in them and keep it running so there's never been an electrical drop in ireland or for this company in dublin due to the all the control measures that put in place to ensure that doesn't happen so there's massive money all the stuff is tested all the time all the generators are ran once a day everything is tested you know the switch over equipment from if the power goes they do all these drills like game day drills is what they call them they do them once every two or three days where they'll go to a place and they'll get them to turn off the main power and test it to see if it's working correctly and they're really really stringent on that and then when it comes to the security um each data center itself will be inside some kind of a enclosed area where they'll have an outer fence which is um has motion sensors on it then there's about a three meter gap 
and in the three meter gap there's lasers and then there's another inner fence that has motion sensors and then the far side of the inner fence there's about another two meter gap and that has lasers as well so that's the security and then when you come in through the main gate you go through a double main gate everybody has to badge pin and badge through every single door and every single gate you go through so if you go into the data center you badge twice to get in the main gate you badge to get into reception you sign in and then every single door you open from there on you have to badge and if you go into the red zone is what they call this that's where the data storage actually takes place you have to go through a metal detector go through the metal detector and then you go in obviously you can't bring your phone or any, any kind of media or anything in with you and the idea of the metal detector is so you don't sneak a usb key exactly. in your shoe yeah. or something to in that or yeah in or out or, or whatever it might be yeah okay and is there presumably for the the red zones or the, the kind of where the most sensitive or where the data is kept itself exactly yeah presumably that's kind of very limited access in the first place oh extremely yeah yeah so there'd only be certain um so the, the workers in the data center there's usually there's tr- three different types there's the guys that look after the electrical and the coolant so they are usually mechanical guys so they'll, they'll be qualified electricians or mechanical engineers or whatever they might be so they make sure the power's go going to to the data storage area and the cooling system is working correctly and then there's the kind of more nerdy geeky kind of guys that look after the actual servers and they're all um data technicians and computer engineers and all them kind of guys so the computer engineer guys would have access into that data center into the data storage area the whole time and so the other guys would but none of the admin staff that don't need to be in there would have access into it so they all have badge levels of access everybody at a different level yeah, so the you know the guy cleaning the canteens, pop, yeah. fob isn't getting in anywhere. No, no, <laughs> yeah, 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 You're barely in the gate, really. Yeah. And you mentioned cooling a couple of times. It seems to be a big part of the whole yeah, center. So if you picture, um, if you've ever sat in a room where there's a couple of servers going, or even a computer, or if you had a big telly in a small room, you'll start to feel it getting a little bit warmer. So if you multiply that by a thousand, and you've servers that are just say two meters high, and there's probably thirty or forty servers in it, and they're all running and that would be one rack so one rack and that could be multiplied by six seven hundred and, and when you say rack you mean pallet racking uh, or I, I i suppose i call it a rack um they call it a rack i suppose so it's a it's a, a metal frame that's approximately a meter wide by two and a half meters high and on that rack they hold all the servers which hold all the information and then there'll be a power supply to that rack so there could be four or five hundred racks in one room so after a few minutes, that room will get up to a massive amount of temperature. Massive temperature, so they need to ensure that the cooling extracts all the hot air and blows it out through the roof. So the reason there's a lot of data centers in Ireland is because the temperature in Ireland doesn't go up or down. So if you're in a location, just say in the Middle East or whatever, you're con- you're paying a massive amount of money to keep the place cool. And then if you're in somewhere really cold, it obviously needs to get up to a certain degrees to, for them to work efficiently. So you're. Ireland is doesn't go up, doesn't go down much, and it's it's literally perfect. So that's why Ireland has more data centers than the rest of the Europe put together. Is that something you just threw out there, or is that a oh, hundred percent from a hundred percent? Yeah, yeah. And um, from the company I work with, and I work for, um, we just roughly there's twenty data centers in Dublin, roughly, and um, the rest of Europe, the Middle East, and that's the way to class it: Europe, Middle East, and South Africa. There's less data centers in all of them put together than in Dublin. Fuck. And has that anything to do with our 12.5% corporate tax rate, you reckon? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> or Maybe if, a little. If even, yeah, I wouldn't even say they're paying that, yeah. So I suppose it's because um, how well-trained the staff are, or we are in general, just say with the computer engineering and that kind of stuff, low corporate tax rate. And 
temperate climate. Temperate climate, yeah. Sure, it's the exact same for myself here and the, the business I run. Oh, is it? Yeah. We're a vertical farm, exact same thing. I don't want to pay to cool it and I don't want to pay to heat it as best I can. And would you ever be paying to cool it? Um, it's a tricky one there. You, uh, yes and no. So I have to remove humid air, which, so let's say it's, um, it's running at there, thereabouts 20 degrees all the time. But if the humidity rises, I've, I put in dehumidifiers, okay. but I'd need to have like industrial humidifiers. Like that would be incredible, like 20 grand's worth of industrial humidifiers to pull down the temperature or sorry to pull down the humidity so what i do is i vent the uh the hot moist air so, so you, I'm, I'm i am cooling it but my intention isn't to cool it if that makes sense i get you yeah it's a byproduct of actually so is yours the same as like you'd have in a house like mechanical ventilation do you know in all new houses that heat recovery because the house is sealed and then it extracts a certain certain it extracts a certain amount of air every minute out of each room and then releases it and br- brings in fresh air. I don't have heat recovery, so I don't I don't clean the heated air that I'm exhausting and bring it back okay, in. Okay, I get you. Yeah. I basically dump it outside. Dump it outside yeah. Well, I don't I don't dump it outside. I actually heat my production room at the production tunnel wet. Very good. So when the it doesn't really matter during the summer because I'm I'm heating a room that the doors are opening. Do you know what kind of way? Because during the summer, the lads can just open. All right. I say the lads as if I employ people I don't anymore. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Um, so when I'm in the production tunnel, I just open up the double doors. But during the winter, you open up the double doors. If it's minus two outside, it's yeah, minus two you're working. Yeah. Close the doors. It might be minus two outside, but it still might only be seven degrees inside, which is marginally warmer than a fridge. Then it really works when you're cycling the excess heat from your grow room into your production. You'll, you'll notice the difference. Like. So I'm trying more and more as the business kind of grows and I can reinvest in it. Heat recovery would be a huge, big thing for me, but at present, it's it's just not viable. Yeah, because I, I actually only finished building my house a couple of months ago, and when I was looking at the build costs, uh, the heat recovery was €5,000, and I didn't have it in the budget, and I was like, sure, I'll just open a window. Sure, what's all this fucking heat recovery? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, what's yeah. it all about? Like, it's like, The house is really well insulated. I have nothing to worry about. And for the last two months in my house, like I've been sleeping with a, a window wide open upstairs and wide open in the bathroom just to create a draft. And the, it's still that warm up there. And I've tu- I turned the heating off in my house in the, like the first of April, and I still haven't turned it back on. Like because it, the, the stale air, there's nothing taking it out of the room. Like because it's that well insulated, even with the windows open, I'm still like still quite warm in the room. So it is. I, if if anybody is going to build a house, it's it's well worth the five grand. Put the put the heat in hundred percent. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I'm actually looking at getting um, mechanical extraction. Just they're not going to. Uh, use the heat it's just going to be extraction from the room every you know well if you could what i've done in there now is i have um i have sensors so it'll detect a spike so if let's say like an average room temperature is probably 18 and a half degrees there thereabouts so with my room if it gets to 22 degrees let's say that's getting a little bit too hot so that'll kick on a sensor or that would hit a sensor which will just turn on an exhaust fan and just blast out that's the, yeah. but that's only for an extreme. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, you can yeah. get to that. It's a, it's a fail safe, I suppose. Because I know it's it's obviously completely different, but the, it's the same principles apply. If my room goes too high in temperature or humidity or low in humidity or low in temperature, I lose the crop. It won't it won't survive. Course, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So not quite the exact same <laughs> level yeah. as you know multinational corporations and data storage but you get you get the gist yeah, it's the same thing yeah it's the same. Uh, your title is safety officer 
safe. I, yeah, I used to or be safety officer, and now it's. Uh, I think they call us regional safety engineers, RSEs. So everything has some acronym for everything in, in that place. I've never. That's seen the it. corporate world, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm an RSE, so regional safety officer. So um, I'd be Dublin would be my region, and I'm a safety. Sorry, safety engineer. That's what we are. We're regional safety engineers. Okay, and it doesn't strike me as being safety of people. Is it safety from? Fuck ups and loss of profit, or uh, is it? Or? No, no, it wouldn't be actually. No, um, there be there would be an, an emphasis on um, on the company brand and ensuring just say in the likes of like what COVID going on, it'd be it'd be very important for the company not for for us not to have some kind of a COVID spike in one of our, our data centers or something like that. So the corporate brand and the and the name of the, of the company would be very important. Um, from a safety side of things, it wouldn't like to. They wouldn't like people to think that it wasn't being run safely, but it would. No, it would mostly be um, keeping people safe, I suppose. But again, it's it's mostly all policies as opposed to uh, in the construction industry. It's all um, you know, wear your PPE to stop you getting injured, or you know, this kind of stuff. Where in there, it's like, is your desk set up properly? Um, have you got have you got optimal lumbar support? Kind of, yeah. No, you like don't want the, repetitive strain injury. Yeah, but there is there is uh, some stuff is high risk, I suppose, with with the with the 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 voltage electricity and the current coming in to power them so like that's one of them data centers would use the same amount of electricity as navin would um, jesus yeah how big are they um so i'd say it's about we'll go with the average every every year every time they build one it gets a little bit different usually uh, the offices get smaller the canteen gets smaller and the, where it actually sort of that it gets bigger um so i think they're about on average, about two hundred meters long by maybe a hundred meters wide, or hundred yeah, hundred meters wide by two hundred meters long. So that's two hundred feet by six hundred feet. Have I got that right? No, I messed that up. One hundred feet, so three hundred feet by six hundred feet. Putting in football pitches for fuck's sake. A football, a football, a football pitch. <laughs> okay, right, right. At okay. least, at least a football. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe two football pitches long and a football pitch, two football pitches wide. Maybe. Okay, they're fucking huge. They're basically. massive. Yeah, absolutely massive. And that's what you're describing size wise. There is the the data storage. It's not the campus. Say eh? it's not the. Yeah. So so it, the way they've it done that they'll have a, a big enclosed area with all the fencing and security set up, and inside that they will have you know three or four of these data centers. So okay. e- each one of them will be roughly that size. Um. I don't, I don't even know what the square footage is. I'm trying to remember because when I was working for the construction company, I used to ha- I, I how I got the job with them was I was working in construction safety, building um these data centers for an Irish construction company. So I'm trying to think because I should know this, but I actually don't know what the square footage of them is. But it's no, you're, you're absolutely grand. massive. For, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm no good with numbers, but yeah. it's absolutely massive. <laughs> yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, they're huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. When I'm driving into Dublin from Navin, say, when I'm coming into Blanche on my left-hand side there, yeah, just yeah. as I hit the dual carriageway yeah. as opposed to the motorway, there's yeah, a yeah. colossal yeah. building there. Yeah. Is that a Facebook data centre? That's a Facebook data centre, yeah. Okay, so anyone in the area who knows that yeah. construction site will get get an idea of the yeah, Exactly, the so you, you will, I, when you drive in, I think you can see two two buildings on the left there, so you'll see roughly what they are. And I think that there might be a small bit different size-wise, but it's basically, it's 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 the same thing, really, like. Okay, um, you were going to ask me something there, and then we got sidetracked. What was oh it? fuck no! God yeah, yeah, okay, fart, in the wind. <laughs> um, so you were working. I, I get how you did the crossover. Now you were doing site safety on a construction site, building a data center, and then the corporation that 
the data center was being built for needed good safety people and you met yeah. someone along the way and yeah exactly now yeah. you're being called cheap in a podcast <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it kind of escalated quickly i suppose but yeah no so i, I work for the construction company uh so i was an electrician by trade done that for about seven or eight years had absolutely no interest whatsoever i went to canada and when i was over in canada i remember um working for a larger construction company so i, I was working for a small guy that had two or three apprentices here in ireland and there was never anything happening and it was it's just depressing shit really like we were doing house bashing so that's where you go into a house in the state and you, all, all he was doing was just houses constantly houses so you go into a house you're there for three or four days doing the first fix the guys come in and do plastering you come back a couple of weeks there do a second fix over and over and over and over again now it was a bit of crack with the boys on the construction site but i remember thinking oh, there has to be more to this and then when i when i went to canada i was working for a big company and we were doing big huge projects and we were doing like uh, high rises and we were doing kind of industrial stuff and i remember just the safety officer i met him a few times over there and i was thinking oh geez, yeah i could kind of like that kind of a setup because i was never any good with my hands when it came to electrical stuff absolutely useless <laughs> uh, just being honest i, I had no interest <laughs> electrician for what is it seven years <laughs> yeah say, no good with me hands no what no a fucking no. live wire from no the no I, I was all right at the the, the thinking way of it but like uh, when you're doing uh, like uh, working as a tradition you have to bend conduit and you have to do certain things and like I worked there for seven years and I still can't bend a piece of conduit like I can wire a fuse board but I can't I just I'm just shite with my hands and which is grand I have no issues with that so when I came back from Canada um, I came back there was not much work um, so when I came back I ended up working for my cousin who owns a roofing company and that roofing company was working for this large construction company that I started working with uh, so I was working with... As a subcontractor doing Yeah, roofing. yeah, doing the roofing on the data centers. So that was my first exposure to... I remember the first time I went up, I was like, what is this? Or where did these people get the money? Because they, they had... <laughs> they had each... each uh, I'm kind of going sidetrack, but each data center has these uh, Cummins uh, Caterpillar generators and they're like 200,000 euro each. Like, So each electrical room has two of them. So each data center has 20 of them. So you're talking like 4 million or whatever whatever the, the math is. And I remember thinking, this was back in 2010 when I came back from Canada. And I, was, I remember thinking, or 2011, like, who are these people? You know, where's all this money coming from? But uh, so I was working with the roofing company and I says, right, I'm going to have to go back to college and, and do something. So I went back to UCD at night and done uh, just, I think it was a level six uh, safety engineering kind of role. Feedback or, thing, is it? Or? And, uh, I don't know if it'd be fair. QQI does that okay. mean something? I don't know. Yeah, not to me anyway. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I went back and done that anyway, and um, finished the course. And when I finished the course, uh, the, the larger construction company that we were subcontracted into the roofing, there was a job going with them. Started working with them, and I started working down at the bottom of the M50. We were doing a, a larger uh, office block area. Worked there for two years, and then the data center role came up uh, for the construction company. I moved up to. The, my current location working for the construction company worked there for three years i think and then i found out that they were looking for a role it was kind of said to me on the side from one of the uh corporation employees that this job was coming up it'd be a good one to get uh looked at the job the money was quite good and i i always swore if i got a chance i'd get out of construction just because when i finished my apprenticeship in 2008 i came out finished college and there was absolutely no jobs like and i remember oh, I did a boom, yeah just at the end of it and i remember thinking to yourself oh, if you ever get the chance uh try and get out of this so that was my first time ever being off a construction site in my whole life like and into this kind of corporate world where to have like a uh, diversity seminars and ah brilliant tell me all about uh, that i can't wait man a div- diversity <laughs> seminars so on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis you will get 
because it's, a, it's an American company, so um, because it's an American company and the company I work for is a kind of sister company to the American company or a smaller version of the American company, would that be right? Oh, fuck. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the big company is a big, huge company and then there's one, one part of the company is data storage. So we're under the kind of big umbrella. So when they're sending out these seminars and all kinds of stuff were included in them okay so it might be more based for somebody with like an office block with 200 people but kind you of, have to yeah, we don't we don't no we don't we don't we don't have to but you're, you're encouraged to attend them but i i haven't looked at one yet or, or that kind of thing but yeah you'll, you'll hear you like it'll be a seminar on um recruiting diversity skills or pr or just yeah basically what not to say and any of the training you start off like when you, when you join the company you have to go through this long training kind of schedule and half of it is uh, diversity in the workplace uh, people's people's opinion in the workplace basically how not to say anything wrong how not to say you guys instead of you people or instead of saying lads or men or, or whatever it might be just you really do go through a lot of that they're just terrified of people taking yeah. offense basically yeah basically yeah yeah and all you know like you'd see an email you know black life matters and what we're doing to do this and you know yeah lots of stuff comes from head people in the company and you're just you're like okay yeah this is a bit different than what i'm used to yeah but <laughs> you know, like, in the building yeah site, yeah like, lads in the building site like eating breakfast rolls and shouting at each other like and then you're you're sitting there in your little corporate kind of at the meetings and stuff it, it, it's different um i do enjoy it in some ways because like on my team so we've the europe south africa and middle eastern team that's who we all reported one manager and you know there's a couple of us in ireland then there's german french italian uh there's swiss swedish south african bahrain there's a, kind of a whole mix and the team meetings are something i don't know you kind of seem to learn a bit a lot more about stuff or, or if you go to uh to do these things where where the whole team meets in one location and you all have the chats and stuff like that for a two or three day team bonding thing it's just completely different than a skip load of pints after a, a, yeah, a friday the, evening that's like, the height of the team bond yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. so yeah it's different it's di- it's different but yeah you definitely have to have your your wits about you and not you wouldn't be saying anything there's a like a a group uh like a a company kind of like a like a facebook messenger an internal company one you'd never write anything like cursing or using yeah, derogatory terms or, or yeah, anything like no no like we yeah you wouldn't be saying anything like that on anything just in the off chance that god only really knows they could be tracking the computer or that like they did like I, I used to have my work laptop from when i was working at the construction company and i'd be looking up fuck what would you be looking up <laughs> <laughs> i'd be looking at just say downloading showbox films or god you know what i'd be at and I'd, I'd be like i give a fuck like where now i'd be like the laptop i don't even i'd be even worried about yeah, I wouldn't do anything. I'm nothing. Never look up anything on the work laptop or the phone or anything like that. It'd be strictly just work, it, not YouTube, not anything like. I it just probably wouldn't be worth the paranoia. Would that's it. it like? Yeah, yeah. So they seize your laptop. So if you take a picture in the data center, that's your phone's wiped, gone. Good luck. Uh, if you log on to certain websites, around, your your laptop is just wiped. And I'd say if you've done that once or twice, you'd, you'd be sacked. You'd be sacked. Yeah. Even if you badge, if you if you badge incorrectly into a door. If you do that twice or three times, you're gone. Like, I'm sorry. What does that mean? If you if you try to gain access to where you're not allowed? No, or? not even. No, no. So, so as I said, security is the, probably the, I don't know if it's the most important or second most whatever value they have anyway. But um, if you every time you walk through a door, you need to put in your pin. You need to flash your card. It beeps. Card reader lets you through. And um, if somebody 
puts in the wrong pin or doesn't walk through when they're supposed to or two people go together through a door this will cause an alarm and then security i think it's a six or seven hour process to write up the report as to what happened so if a direct employee uh, does it twice or three times to just get the gate so right. it's drilled into you from uh, yeah yeah it, so there's, there's no element of here hold the door like, oh you know no the way you'd hold a door oh yeah no no like, it's yeah it's really it's really weird like even even when you walk in you get wanded with like a a metal detector like, like at the airport basically. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i remember actually i went to a bellator in dublin and um when you're walking getting wanded in a, in a one of the data centers you stand up you put your hands and then you turn around and you put your back and they wand you around. So I went to, into the Bellator event and the security went to pat me down. So I put my hands up. <laughs> and then and then I turned around and I had my hands up. And your man was like, what the fuck are you at? Like, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, all right. And I had to put the head down and keep her lit. Like, I was like, what is this? Like? Now, it's just funny. You just get used to it. Even with the doors, you close. You have to close the door within 10 seconds or an alarm goes off. So you badge in, walk in, close the door, and you have to hear a click, and then you'll walk on. And so when you're getting out of the shower, you fucking just, have to bang yeah, the door behind you. And, like. and I, I haven't been up there much lately, obviously because of uh, because of COVID and working from home. But yeah, you really get you get uh, you get yeah you get used to it. It's just like anything else. It's yeah, just yeah. repetition and habit. Yeah, it becomes, yeah, yeah, it becomes it's part of you. Like. Yeah, I can just see you now getting into a lift or something. Someone shouts, "Oh, the lift!" And you're just shaking your head as the door closes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're really, they're really, they're really strict on the security. I've never seen anything like it, and I would have uh, kind of got a taste for it before I started, just because um, when we were working in const- for the construction company, we would have had to do jobs uh, in there, so we would have had to badge in and do stuff like that in the live areas. But um, even to have like the teams of ex army rangers or what's the other Delta. Delta teams that they they have a big focus on employing ex military people in America, so they'll have teams of these Delta forces or these um, Army Rangers that fly around the world, they pick data centers around the world, and they try to break into them. Oh fuck! So these proper are like, war games, type oh, yeah, stuff proper like. stuff. Yeah, like there was one um, in the West Dublin, one of the West Dublin campuses, and they you see them. They had like a rope ladder and stuff like that. And we actually the only reason we knew this had happened. This is the safety team knew what happened is because when one of them jumped over the fence, he actually hurt his ankle and he had to report it. And then we had to do an instant report on it. Oh, yeah, but you've seen like the, the video footage of them all in like full camo and stuff like that, like at 11 o'clock at night. And they're scary throwing, shit. Yeah, throwing the, throwing the stuff over, climbed over the fence, then they rolled under. They knew where the lasers were. They had got badges that they, I don't know where they got them. Obviously, should they work for that company? So they're going to have badges, but they had a badge to get them in through one door. I think they're allowed to use one badge to get into one door and then have to try and navigate around, you know, using emergency exits and all kinds of stuff to get in. And, and I remember I was only in the company about three or four weeks and I was sitting in, in one of the, the data centers and the security manager was in an office across from me and I could see her and I could see her screaming and she was on the phone and obviously that was how we're getting the phone call saying from America saying, uh, by the way, we've a person standing inside your data center and your security haven't copped. Jesus. Yeah, and she does no longer works for the company. Fuck. Yeah. No messing. No. Straight in, no kissing. There's a big data center, I believe, is it right beside where the lads ripped down the Aldi? Remember the lads ripped down the Aldi oh. during the... Was it during the snow? The bad snow? Yeah, with a track machine snow? or something. Yeah, they, got, they pulled the fucking <laughs> yeah. roof down. Yeah, yeah. But I believe... I don't know if it was Amazon or one one of those big multinationals. Anyway, have a data center there. I think it was... Was it in Tala? Um, I'd say the security man in that place yeah, had a bit yeah. of a meltdown when that was going on. Like, what do you do to stop it? Fucking JCB <laughs> driving through your fences. Yeah. Fuck you and your lasers. <laughs> they do, they, they, in one of the locations, they do, they do have issues with young lads throwing stuff across the fence, setting off the oaks. And 
even with crows, they've, they've issues with crows turning on or seagulls actually hitting into the fence, and now they have like these eagles, pretend eagles. That's like oh, if, yeah. if if anything minor happens at all, there's some ridiculous control measure put in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like yeah, of it, course, it, it's it's mental. Yeah, like even all the all the all the campuses have like speed 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 limiter. Uh, like it. It, like a laser that tells you you are doing 20 kilometers an hour you need to slow down to 19 kilometers an hour or whatever it might be or it's all really regulated like it's it's, it's mental mad. it's mental yeah. is there many people in there no well, yeah because that's my understanding is that they're no. colossal they're, they're yeah. billions of dollars of euros or yeah, whatever yeah. it is but to run them and to maintain them it's relatively yeah so small. Uh, the construction of it would probably cost about 100 million per data center so per, per one building and that data center is split into 10 uh 10 areas so 10 data storage units 10 of them each of them makes 100 million every four years fuck so that's just a 100 million so it costs you'll make you'll make 100 you, sorry you must have confused myself there 100 million per hall so what's that that's a, a thousand million in four years is what they make and it costs them 100 million to build it and maybe another 100 million to run it for the for the four years so there's 80 80 800 million oh i'm after confusing myself <laughs> so the, your initial question was how many people work there so there's usually a guard force of just say 10 security guards on uh, at all times eight hours three eight yeah, hour shifts basically. but they work for a subcontractor like a security firm so okay. they're separate and then there's probably three uh, electrical or mechanical guys on full-time and then there's three kind of the computer software kind of guys so that'd be six the facilities manager somebody that runs the facility so yeah 10 i'd say 10 direct people and then the guard force of maybe five per building or 10 per campus so campus Jesus. so you know it's really 10, small 20 people really in a small building worth 100 million yeah yeah really, a billion every four years yeah it is. It's, it's crazy yeah like uh, the, the um i think the, i think five percent of the whole global workforce works for this data storage part of the company and they make 25 percent of the revenue Jesus, yeah, yeah. So it's massive. It's absolutely massive. It's the, it's by far the fastest growing part of the company by like miles, like absolute miles. Like I started, uh, I'm there just a year and two months or roughly something like that. And when I started, the share price was two thousand two hundred, and I checked it the other day. It's actually after going down, but the share price was three and a half thousand when I got my first shares there uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it just goes up and up and up and up and up. It's mad. Yeah, there's no there's no stopping no. big tech. No, no. Like I I remember um. I was talking to one of the the building managers, so he's with the company eight years in, in Ireland. Now the company's only in Ireland about ten years. But how long is data storage really a thing? It's, yeah, not much. But w- when he started with the company, he got two hundred and fifty shares in the company. So okay. The shares are worth three and a half thousand euro each. Jesus, yeah, fuck. And I was like, "Oh, do you have any left?" He's like, "Oh, no, no, uh, no. I built a conservatory." He's like, "So when he started, they were worth twenty euro each or fifty euro each." And they've gone up and up and up. So as every year, the the employees that get hired on get less and less and less. So I would have got less than 50. And he would have got 250. And the people that are hired this year will get 20. 20 you know what I mean? You get less yeah, and less. He might be getting the same value, but not the same amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember him saying, you know, the wife wanted the conservatory, built a conservatory. And now every year the wife says to me, well, why did you sell them? Nah. <laughs> so he says that whether that's true or not, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. his excuse <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the motorbiker yeah. out the back that he never goes yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been worth six hundred thousand euros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting back to uh, the electrical work you did, because you said 
if you'd go and you'd first fix a house and then you'd second fix a house a couple of weeks later or whatever where you yeah, phrase yeah, it. Yeah. I'm relatively familiar with first and second fix and that how that works. Yeah. Just for the benefit of people yeah, who might no know. Because again, you're as much as an electrician as you are yeah. someone who works in a data centre. No so. problem, yeah. So just say um, Fran is going to build his house um, after the blocks and the roof is on and the house is sealed, the windows are in, the, the electricians will come in and do the first fix. So you'll decide where you want your lights, your sockets, if you want internet cables or whatever it might be. So then it would have been three or four of us would have come into the house and we'd have to pull from where the fuse board is located, which is usually in the back hall utility kind of area. You'll pull um, a certain size cable to each uh, item. So up to a light, you use 1.5 millimeter cables. So you'll run that to the light. And you'll run it to each light downstairs and then you'll run a switch cable from the switch up to the light and that'll turn off and on the light. And then for your sockets, you'll run uh, the first cable from the fuse board down to the first socket and then you loop it around. Usually you do one socket loop per room. You'll do that, then you'll go to the cooker, then you'll go to the electric shower, then you'll run an alarm and then you'll run any kind of telecom uh, or TV or whatever you might be and that's all first fix that's all first fix okay put I mean, on the little boxes for the sockets and the walls you might have to do a bit of chasing if you're the dog uh, or they'll get somebody in to do it for you chasing being can go and oh, yeah, through the walls yeah. so the, the cable can go through and you yeah, can pass through yeah that's dog all and, that fun work yeah, yeah you'd be doing that when you're a first year apprentice and stuff like that so you do that put on the boxes all that kind of jazz then the, um, a couple of weeks later whenever the person had the money the slab roll come in put the slab on then the plaster roll plaster and then you'll come back and then you'll put on the, the you'll put on the actual sockets and the switches and stuff. Erect the light fittings, put on the light fittings outside, and wire the fuse board, and then figure out what exactly he's done wrong. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why does why, yeah. when you flick this switch, yeah, the, yeah. the cooker goes off, and yeah, you flick yeah. this switch, it's fucking, yeah, yeah. But. So you so you'll, you'll do that, and you'll get temporary power put to the house just to test it, and then perm, you'll uh, the contractor will write a cert which is given to the ESB. The ESB come out then connect the main power. The main power comes on. And then you're away in a hack. Yeah. Okay, so that's that will typically be how, let's say, a, a domestic one-off house yeah. would be built or yeah, a yeah. house within a housing estate. In the data center end of things, you're dealing yeah. with fucking, what was it, 200,000 generators and there's a half a dozen of them. So you're typically an electricianist in doing that. Who does that kind of work or is there uh, so, is that subcontractor? subcontracted out again or is there in-house people or so for, in the build or in the the maintenance well, of the building? a bit of both because it's like... yeah okay so in the construction side of things um so there's a couple of kind of large specialist uh, electrical co- companies in ireland that do it so there's a lot, they all seem to be from tipperary or waterford for some reason so there's sts there's sure engineering cobec there's a couple of kind of larger ones so um the main contractor so the, the the GC as they call them or the general contractor who would be like your Hegarty's or your Colin Construction or um, any of them big large construction companies in Dublin so they'll um, get uh, they'll tender for the job get the job when they get the job either the they'll pick then which electrical company is going to do the job and they'll they'll, they'll, they'll just be um, industrial electricians is what they're called so I was a domestic electrician so house bashing and you'll have guys that will have done apprenticeships with large, uh, you would have heard of Mercury Engineering and stuff like that. Mm. So so there'll be guys doing apprenticeships, apprenticeships with them and they will have only done large, this kind of stuff. Yeah, they might be able to wire a house, but they'd wire in a 200,000 yeah, generator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be using like huge big cables. Like there's lads that just do glanding. So the, the large cables that come from the generators, they come in or from the mains itself they come in as aluminium into the main board um, and then from the main board they're sent to subboards and anything from the subboard out is in copper so when I, I used to be working for um, the electricians we were subbed in a couple of times to work with uh, a guy actually from up the road here 
a fucking they call Louis Thai Electrical, and uh, the guys all all his guys done was just pull the large cables for the main electrical contractor and connect them into the connections, and um, then the main electrical contractor would have all the other guys to do the rest of the fit out. So the, uh, in the data center build, it's probably just say a hundred million for the build. It's probably sixty million for the for the electrical contract. So it's two thirds of the price of the build. Yes. So it's it's basically they're it, joint computers in a, in a way. Yeah. Aren't they? Like so so the, the electrical contractor, it's what they'll do is they'll they'll bring the mains in into a substation because it's that much electricity that needs to be a substation on each site. So you know, like picture the substation that's out across from your mother's house. Is there a substation out that direction? Yeah, beside Blackwater Park. Yeah, in Navin, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's a, there'll be one of them in the campus, and then that will feed four. Uh, four buildings itself so the power will come from the substation it'll come into the electrical room it'll be broke down into the small boards and then each rack will have its own power supply so the power supply will come from the electrical room and go into the rack and the rack will power up all the little servers okay now okay. there's a, a little bit more to it than that, well, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, i feel qualified <laughs> yeah yeah i would give you a job yeah but that that's that's what the i suppose that's an industrial thing so these guys have been built uh, it's the same three or four electrical contractors that do them all, whether it's in... It, the funny thing is, if, if you go to a data centre in Sweden or anywhere, it'll be an Irish electrical company that's doing it and it'll probably be an Irish construction company that's doing it because they started doing them 10 years ago here. They have a track record and the American corporations are like, oh, they've done five of them perfect here. We'll get them to price Sweden. They do them in Sweden, everywhere. So it's the same. Like even now, South Africa, it wasn't an Irish company, but um, in Spain... It's an Irish company in Germany. They were all Irish companies. So it's actually Irish construction companies and then Irish electrical subcontractors um, who are doing all the work in all the data centers in Europe, basically. It's funny because a friend of mine, is, my own friend's name escapes me now, but he uh, he does a, he has a similar role to you, but his background, as like I know being an electrician isn't really your background, but his background is being a welder. Okay. So he works in mostly pharmaceutical companies, not welding he'd have a team of lads welding underneath them and he's basically i think he's an inspector so he basically just walks around checks and welds. checks all yeah, the welds yeah. and, and all that welding stuff um but it's all pipe works yeah. for god knows what they're fucking forcing through pipes and pharmaceutical companies yeah like. yeah 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 so there's a good bit of that as well actually but yeah. what i mentioned or sorry what i the reason he came to mind was he's often in Bahrain for fucking three months yeah, and yeah. then he's in Sweden for yeah. two weeks and it's presumably the same kind of yeah, principle yeah. applies like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually great for the, for the I, I wouldn't like to see what the Irish construction um what the climate would be in Ireland if, if there wasn't literally there's probably at least ten of these being currently built now which have three or four hundred construction workers on them at all times. Like it, it's a it's a it's a massive industry. Uh, the only concern that you would have is that they run out of power. So any data center that's ever built in Ireland, it'll never be built anywhere south of Dublin because the main thing is getting the power to them. So you think, oh, why don't they, which is a good idea, why don't they build a you know, a couple of data centers in Cork or in Wexford? Or you know, whatever, get, you know, spread Cheap the love. Lands, yeah, so. the whole lot can't get power. So so you, the, the, restricting, the, the restriction for all of them is the power. So when they go in to get planning permission, they'll get planning permission and part of the planning commission could be you need to build a gas power substation that costs 50 million. You need to build that. When you build that, then we'll give you the planning permission so that you're not pulling from the national grid. I think the data centers pull something like 15, 20%, of the, not, maybe not. 10 or 15% of the national grid goes purely to the 40 data centers in Ireland. Jesus. 
It's oh. outrageous. Why did you say not south of Dublin? Was that a, a flippant remark? No, or? no, no, not, no. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be lying. I, I think. I don't know if it's done yet, but there's supposed to be an interconnector between the Irish grid and the English grid, which is in the north, and you're supposed to connect, and then we we have an unlimited power supply coming from England. Um, I don't and know what's if that's, that, is that nuclear. Uh, I don't know, Fran. I, I, the word Sellafield come into my head, but I, I've no idea why that. <laughs> that so I'm not gonna. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, um, example, the company I work for were looking for new sites not in Dublin. Navin was one of them. Drogheda was one of them. Dundalk was one of them. It's always north of Dublin because you've a guaranteed power supply. That that's why it, that's why it's all there. That's why it's in Dublin. I I I I I don't actually know. If it's because of it, the north, or that's the power, or if that's where the power comes in somewhere in Drogheda, or I, I, I actually don't. Obviously, there can't be any more north than Drogheda, or it would be in the north. But yeah, so that that's why they're never built far away from the yeah. north. It's gas. It's, yeah, I don't one, know actually. Don't one, know. one type of person that I'm keen to get in is um, an, an electrician, say, but somebody who deals with the national grid. Yeah. Do you want to come away? And, yeah, and the yeah. same for plumbing. Then, so I've, a cousin of mine is one of the top guys in Irish Water. Now, I don't know if he'd actually come on, but I'd love to get on somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Just give you the inside, inside scoop on, you know, where the water comes from or where the electricity comes from. Because I think for the most part, you know, it comes out of the plug and it comes out of the tap. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, <laughs> that's people's limit of their, yeah. of their knowledge of it. Like. I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't actually know that. To be honest, that's pretty much, I just know it comes from the north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wherever that is. <laughs> yeah. It comes from the north, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as a, a safety guy, and you, you kind of... a um, mentioned it earlier the the corporate image you don't want let's say any amount of staff you don't want your you don't want a covert outbreak basically in your data center or yeah, whatever yeah, it is of course for public image or, or whatever else so you're pro- presumably up to your tits in covert stuff since you know march uh, there march there. yeah mental yeah absolutely mental so um i'd say i'd say 10 percent, 15 percent of my work day is purely just dealing with covert related new policy uh, this person we think has COVID, what are we going to do? So there's a call um, every day at 10 o'clock where all the, the leaders from Dublin go on a call, discuss what's happened in the media, what's been released from the Irish government, what's coming from America, discuss any plan for the next day, if anything needs to happen, uh, if somebody is a possible case, what way we, we would deal with it. Um, all the data centres are fogged, so they have this anti-COVID spray, uh, I don't know what it is. Some spray that they spray every data center after every shift. The whole the whole thing. Uh, Jeez, how does that work? Is it like a, a fog a, machine? Yeah, type basically. Thing yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm no electrician, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's whatever. It, the fog. You're right. They fog all the admin areas. They don't actually fog the servers. Okay. Not after the first time. No, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no. They fog it after every shift. If if somebody uh, if somebody is confirmed, they're obviously pulled out of it straight away. Anybody that's been in close contact with over the last couple of days they're pulled out straight away the whole area is fogged and then there's a, like an emergency plan of what's going to happen um it's all it's mad it's it's mad though because coming from the construction industry where i was working for a big construction company so money wasn't really an issue as, as such if you wanted something you go to the Q, qs he'd be like oh yeah you can get that you know ergonomic desk or whatever it might be they'd actually give it to you which was which was great com- compared to coming from the very first person i worked for where there was only two or three people and you weren't getting holiday pay or you know that kind of oh yeah, you, yeah. your seat is the bag of plastic yeah yeah, like. yeah 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 exactly um so just say for the likes of covid um covid came out first they decided they were going to buy uh hr ir cameras for every data center so when you walked in instead of you using that so 
the way it was for the first couple of months when you walked into a, a data center you had to take your own temperature put it on a handheld temperature sensor put it down wash your hands and then proceed in if you're under 39 degrees or don't 30 37.9 is the limit so uh, they decided that wasn't an efficient way of doing it so they got these uh, ir cameras so for dublin i think it cost five hundred thousand euro just to put one camera in each data center and that was just like a click of a pen oh yeah we need that yeah bank on and two weeks time they were up running like nothing seems to there's no it, it, the money side of things doesn't exist really like, no like oh you want a new piece of equipment or this is or they decided they wanted to get face masks for everybody with their little name on them and so they were more comfortable than the normal ones and your man's like sure it's only six grand what are you on about like or do you know there's like six grand isn't much anyway but you know for like just the likes of the four hundred thousand euro for, for the cameras it was just literally a man was just flick of a pen grand yep get them in they come in um there'll be a good few yeah a lot of stuff a lot of covid stuff yeah a lot of covid stuff i'm trying to fucking sick of it now the only advantage is i get to work from home and how does, how does that work i mean having to me the idea of having a, a kind yeah, of a safety officer yeah, yeah working from home yeah yeah it's so like normally um we the one safety officer would be over just say six or seven buildings they have a like a a, an area that they work in so i have six or seven buildings so normally i would just go up to one building and i'd sit in one building and you're literally in front of the laptop all day some fella rings you saying uh we're going to do this new task will you look at this risk assessment and tell me if it's okay we're after getting a new piece of equipment can you have a look at this and tell me whether it's eu rated or not or it's you're just sitting in front of the laptop typing away looking at this looking at that typing away on a meeting on a meeting to america on a meeting to this person this meeting that meeting 95 percent of your time you're literally sitting in front of a laptop the very odd time somebody might say come down here and look at uh, this electrical room there's something we want we need to erect something over here can you see you know tell us if it's okay to do that i'd say less than five percent so the fact that i'm not there makes absolutely no difference whatsoever and uh, given the nature of the security and the protocols and the COVID and fucking everything else, will you ever be back in no, there? No, I don't think so. Okay. No. Uh, so uh, and and just uh, just on that point, sorry, before you yeah. uh, even continue, does that make you fearful that you'll be replaced by somebody in America or China or Botswana uh, or do you know kind of way? No, no, I don't think so. Um, no, job security is the is the one major advantage just in the climate and the foreseeable bills that they're talking about in over the next five years so they expect to double in dublin over the next five years so there'll be f- roughly 40 data centers in dublin so they'll need six or seven safety officers and you need to be up to speed on current reg- regulations irish regulations it's no i've actually no i never even thought about that thanks for that Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I, no yeah no 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 i never no never no and the, the fact is not this is relevant anyway but the, the dublin ones are actually the safest in the world oh it says yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but no working from home is is, is the fucking job like uh I have two screens, stand up desk, the whole shebang. Uh, get up, do me workout, start work at half seven, finish at five, walk out, as opposed to battling the M50, getting home at half six. It's it's a great job. So they said February twenty, February t- next year is when they're going to look at whether we're going to come back or not. Um, th- we get an email every morning that asks us a question. The question might be, are you happy with your manager? Do you feel like we're providing enough covid supplies for you and your work team uh do you feel your workload is acceptable you know all these kind of questions and over the last couple of months the questions are are you as productive as working at working from home as you are from your office 
do you feel still connected to the team are you still able to complete your role so they're asking these questions all the time in the aim of making the data center smaller having less less admin not having to pay for whatever it might be not having a risk of you falling over not having you driving up and down getting an extra hour out of you because you're not traveling to work so yeah uh, probably like i don't know but in my head we'll be maybe going to dublin once a week twice a week if there's something major on if even yeah like a a few times a a week somebody will ring me and say look david uh there's a footpad out here and it's after something's after happening can you come out and just have a look and make sure it's all right or we're doing a new project over here and we want you to just review what way we're going to do it so there is there is that kind of five percent where you would actually have to come and look at something but apart from that i don't think we will be hopefully because i'm probably saving maybe 400 quid 500 quid a month on diesel and just on, just on diesel yeah, and tolls toll, yeah, yeah i think it's 100 quid a me- um, uh, 100 quid a month on, on tolls and basically 80 quid or 90 quid a week in diesel to say nothing about your time yeah or even if you're, you're fucking you- sitting in traffic do you know it's like it's worse than the the cost of the diesel and the environmental yeah. impact of the diesel just you sitting in a yeah. car when you know when you think about it no need no really. need yeah yeah and i, I do think there are to be fairly progressive anyway but i do think they're really seeing that like because I, I actually do way more work at home really yeah, yeah i do yeah like if i'm in an office I, i'm in the one office uh it's kind of like a construction site in a way there's a bit of crack the boys are messing up usually the electrical boys are messing at something over there or they're looking up something or they're slagging or whatever's going on and you're like oh what's going on over there or whatever where you're just sitting in front of your laptop at home and you're just nothing to do but work but really. work yeah yeah <laughs> uh on the questions that they do ask you every so often is it every day did you just say every day it? yeah yeah okay how honestly can you answer those questions Com- yeah completely honest or i'd be sacked by now i'd imagine if it wasn't because okay cause it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a tricky one isn't it like yeah, I, I've, done, do. I've done a lot of courses and the instructor or the guy running the course might ask you for feedback how would you rate you know yeah, me yeah. out of 10 it's all perfectly confidential <laughs> nine, 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 nine. but just to keep the peace like yeah i'd around. say for the first um for the first month or two everything was five five is good one is bad okay and then um they release the questions every month so they'll 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 release the questions for dublin and say these are the questions asked in dublin on this team the electrical and mechanical team the guys that look after the power and the cooling they answered these questions how happy they were here here so everybody it's just full you can see whatever yeah so most of the questions are kind of not towards your manager but some of them are so you'll see the the you europe team how happy are they with their manager one out of five and you'll see how happy they are how happy they are with their workload how happy are they are with their you know work-life balance how happy they are that they can connect with their team how meaningful do they think the meetings are how much time do you think they're wasting the meetings all these kind of questions then you can see and you're like so there's no names well as i said i'd probably be sacked now if there was because I'd, I'd be <laughs> some of them might be you know how happy you are with your workload it's a one like it didn't work you like an absolute dog do they, they get oh, their money's worth oh out, my yeah. god yeah yeah i i i, I w- in my previous employment you, you, you get at the end of the week you, you get that feeling of oh, right i've six or seven of them things done maybe i've one to start next week you, you know big pro you know you have your normal firefighting admin shite that you need to do every day which takes up half the day or three quarters of the day and then you have them couple of kind of over projects that you kind of need to get done all the time so that would have been in in the construction industry and then on a friday you might have one that you didn't get done or two on a bad week or three then you take into monday morning you'd be like right i'll get this done where here it's you, you've 10 projects to do today not projects but you know 10 jobs you need to do today by the end of the day you've 12 by the end of tomorrow you've 13 i've never got below 20 things on the list that i write every single day jobs to do today and 
at the end of the day it's always longer it's never shorter and does that get kind of demoralized yeah it does or? actually yeah especially lately i don't know if it's because i'm working from home i don't know if it's because i'm getting to do fuck all or you know you know whatever that you'd normally do <laughs> go away on holidays you know that kind of stuff i i don't know or yeah, is, is it work or is it covid yeah I, I, but I, yeah i think it's work to, to be honest because it, like in in my previous employment i had one boss that would say david uh, here's two or three jobs will you, you know bigger projects we want to introduce a new policy on this and that will you you know do the homework on the policy see if it's going to work uh, if it's going to work will you introduce it you know make the signage send out an email whatever it might be where uh, with this company there's a dublin manager there's a europe manager and then there's a global manager and all of them will decide like i got an email the other day saying oh we think you're the person to um lead this project and i was like what pro- like i don't give a fuck about this fucking pro you know what i mean like it was some international um rack moving project so as i spoke to earlier the racks are these big heavy things that have all the servers on them so if one uh, needs to be replaced you need to move it so it could weigh maybe a ton or two ton so they have a good few incidents where there's issues with the rack being moved people running over their own feet or whatever it might be while pulling the rack so you know we have a new project uh, we think you're the team leader there you go there's the project and like yeah you just had 13 things and now you have this 14 thing and there's a meeting every wednesday and you have to lead the meeting you have to set up the minutes of the meeting you have to get everybody involved you have to get people to do tasks and like i don't give a fuck about rack movement i don't care like I just, <laughs> do you know what i mean i literally don't like i don't and yeah i don't really care that much about safety in general but <laughs> if i you know you know the way i'm so glad you used the <laughs> but you know the way like um i like I, I enjoy dealing with people and having the chats and in in my previous employment it was kind of like a site based there was a site team everybody was up for a bit of a laugh and you know whatever you done the work and you worked seven to five so it wasn't a short day or whatever but where this is kind of there's no real crack and it's just these projects all the time and i never really care i more i more enjoyed the the dealing with people you know somebody coming into you for an you know induction in the construction industry or coming in and i don't know whatever they're always in looking for help and you're doing this and it was only a matter of you you deciding whether yeah that's right or wrong or that's safe to do or you know you might have a couple of policies that you follow you know whatever it might be uh where now it's it's never kind of up to you to decide you're always reviewing some global policy that may take you an hour or two to review and pick out the small bit that your man possibly wanted to know about and then you tell them i i, yeah, I just have no interest and how long are you doing this role now a uh, year and two months okay and <laughs> having done it for you know over the year you get a you know your first year in a job you get a good fucking yeah, feel for it yeah like. yeah would it suit a more introverted person? Would you consider yourself to be more extroverted? Uh, probably, yeah, yeah. I, I know, uh, one of my issues, my main issue is I'm dyslexic. So when I was working with my previous client, I could just ring people and say, you can do this, you can do that, you can't do this, this is the reason you can't do that. You're getting off site because you were hanging off the side of the scaffolding. You just literally ring his boss and say, this fucking eagle is after doing this, get him off site for tomorrow. Problem gone. When it's a direct employee and you have to write a big explicit email quoting regu- regulations or policy as to why this person has done something incorrectly and what you think should happen from here on as opposed to you just ringing somebody. So for me, that's challenge when it comes to reading, writing or spelling. The the fact that I'm writing emails the whole time as opposed to ringing people or just talking to people. I think that's or writing policies and yeah, it's not, it, it probably doesn't suit me if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah well, it, you know, something that you have to... Cr- cross your t's and dot your i's yeah. and in the right order <laughs> yeah yeah it's even it, it's more so uh 
you can always use spell check and you can use kind of apps that help you or not apps programs that help you with that my main issue is not being able to create uh you know if i have to describe an incident that's happened after happening and if you were to ask yourself to do it, you'd be able to articulate what is after happening where i know what's after happening i just can't seem to where to start what what it should sound like you, you just but kind you of, can speak it yeah yeah but and when when I, when I write it down it's just a muddle like so in fairness the last company i worked for sent me to like report writing skills and a few things and it did kind of help in a way but yeah i would struggle with that so maybe, maybe that's half the frustration and then just probably not dealing with people you know you're de- dealing with americans or whatever and it's you know, i don't know you can't really relate to them that well if you know what i mean yeah, well, they, any anyone outside of Ireland, <laughs> well, the, the Polish might be the exception. Yeah, but, uh, the English they, aren't too bad. When it, like they can at the start of a meeting, they'll be having the crack. They'll be like, "All oh, right, Davey," or whatever. You know what I mean? They'll be having, yeah, where yeah, the, yeah. Some of the rest of them, it's just yeah, no crack, <laughs> no crack. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know you were in uh, Canada. When were you in Canada? How long uh, were you in Canada for? Oh, I was only in Canada for nine months, and only. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's a long holiday. Uh, well, no, I, like it was. It was a planned. I had a two-year visa. Um, two-year visa something happened and i had to come home okay uh <laughs> were you uh, or where were you in canada big spot uh, like vancouver that's is that west, east coast, west coast west coast yeah above uh seattle kind of california kind of side cold as balls are you that uh, far no north? no um basically ireland with three months of summer magical okay. place <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. The, i mean the exact same climate i mean the exact same climate i think it even rains the same amount of days in vancouver as it does in in dublin so basically you have the same weather front or front i don't know if that's the right word if you picture uh, ireland you have the atlantic then the weather front hits land and it drops the rain so on the other side you have the pacific pacific coming across gets to vancouver oh yeah drops the rain yeah. so even if you were to drive 300 kilometers or 400 kilometers inland from vancouver it's a lot drier it's way drier yeah you get to the plains as they call them so like you're like calgary edmonton uh, in the, the middle of alberta is the middle of kind of the middle to the left of canada so that's where the plains are so the left hand side if you're looking at the map like we normally would is uh, british columbia is the name of the state so we kind of like leinster so british columbia is basically connacht and that's where where vancouver is so it's, it's a beautiful place it's right on the on the there's a big huge port and it's right on the coast and behind it you have the rocky mountains kind of surrounding it surrounding in kind of like a u cool it's deadly yeah it really is it's deadly yeah yeah you mentioned you had to come home is that something i took by your tone of voice you didn't want to kind of talk about it so i might yeah no, it's locked, it. nobody died nothing fam, you know nothing bad like that it's just it was a reason i had to come home so i had to come home okay sounds so um when you're living at home now and working from home, do you live by yourself? Do you mind me asking? Uh, no, no, my girlfriend lives with me. And is she working from home? Yeah, yeah, she works in. She works for an Irish uh, regulatory body. Oh, she's not going to be happy <laughs> with that. No, no, I know who she works for. I just don't know oh, what. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. She, okay. she works for. If, no, no, that's fine. They begin with a H, and then okay. there's a, a couple of letters after it. <laughs> yeah. What's that been like? Both of you working from home. Oh, it's grand, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, no, it's grand. Yeah. I don't know why I sounded really surprised there, but <laughs> really, <laughs> really, yeah, it's actually funny. I actually met her at work uh, in okay. the first place. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when when I was the uh, senior safety officer on my site, so we had to get juniors and um, a junior to help you with and kind of with the admin. You know, there's a lot of admin work 
working on a, uh, safety in a construction site, you have to get everybody safe past, you know, all them kind of bits and pieces. So, um, you got yourself a hot gym. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so the boss, uh, the boss uh, hired two people and sent them out, you know, one and then two months later. And I was like, these people are fucking useless. Like, and they were, in fairness. And he goes, all right, Grant, yeah, should you hire the next one? I was like, great, I fucking will then. So, <laughs> so he, uh, he, he got three or four examples, brought us in, done the interviews. I was sitting there and he's like, right, we'll do the interview anyway. And the first one was this, uh, I think she's from Cork, this quiet one. Then there was a fella from um, India. What's the country beside India that's the same kind of size? India. Pakistan. Pakistan, yeah. Uh, Pakistan. Then there was uh, herself and then there was somebody else. Um, they'd done the interviews and... She came in, she was the third interview, and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I straight out. Shout out to herself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Jesus. She, uh, it's a fitness instructor. She's she's from Spain. She ticked all the boxes, if you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, that was grand anyway. And the interviews were over. Your man sat down. He says, right, uh, who are you going for? And I says, oh, yeah, your man from Bangladesh. Uh, Azif is his name. And he's like, what are you on about? Like, she one's way better. And I was like, do not put me in a situation where I'm that you know we're in a no no way <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes you're just gonna have to fucking deal with it, David and I was like right then no way yeah that's what he said he goes you, you fucking man up and deal with it I was like all right grand so in the place we were working we were in like a container like a not a double a 20 foot container would that be right yeah so ha- yeah two chairs a little bit further away from where I am and you like are like a site office basically like, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. what it is yeah site office the two of us are in the site office and I'd say about five days until I dropped the hand. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I'm so, so glad you fucking didn't give me your name to start uh, No, obviously, that's not what happened. But it's something. Yeah, so, yeah. So, we started working. So, she worked there for six months. So, if I didn't get used to working working from in close proximity to her at that, at that point, then... Like, does that make sense different at home though isn't that like I mean when uh, she's your fucking girlfriend you share the same no, house no no it, it got like after like you're like you were working together at the start just say seven in the morning and five in the evening two nights a week you'd be up with her the weekend you'd be there with her so it was there was very limited amount of time where you weren't in our company anyway so yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. But then again, you, you don't fucking... There's a big difference. Like, if you're glued to somebody, if you're sitting in the same chair 40 hours a week, there's a, even that, an exaggeration as it is, obviously, yeah. but there's a big difference between that and waking up beside her and going to bed beside her and working together and having lunch together. Like, do you have... Like, do both of you take lunch at the yeah, same yeah. time? And yeah, Because, like, I've heard of teachers who work together uh, and even just in, in different jobs. There's, uh, there's plenty yeah, of married yeah. couples around the place working yeah. in the same building. But that building isn't usually their home. Do you yeah, know I, see, I, I don't know. No, it doesn't. Not, not, not at all. I, I actually have to, and I, I would say it otherwise because I, yeah, I think she's not going to listen to this, or she's, you know, <laughs> so I, I can say what I want. Like, but uh, no, no. Like, I, I have an office upstairs. She works out of one of the rooms downstairs. We meet at lunchtime, <laughs> have our little lunch at ten o'clock, bit of porridge or whatever, and then at two o'clock we meet you a bit dinner. I come down to fight. Like, I, I go up at it. Like, I start work at half seven or whatever it is, and I finish at five or half five, and you wouldn't see me for more than the two breaks or 20 i'll take 20 minutes each break and that's it so she, it's literally just oh well how are you what's going on and t- time wise like do you like can you let's say lie on till 11 o'clock and then work till eight given the nature of your job uh, or do you have to be kind of uh, logged into the system or whatever yeah, it is kind of you think i'd say it, no i don't know i'd say if you told them 
possibly that one day a week you couldn't start till 11 because excuse me you had to drop the young lads to school or whatever it might be they'd probably say okay that's fine and then you'd arrange all your other meetings away from that but like we've a meeting every morning at 10 o'clock with the covid we've team meetings at eight o'clock in the morning then you might have some meeting at five o'clock in the evening there's i'd say half the day you're literally on some meeting so most of the dublin meetings are from eight to five if you know what i mean so you you can't really you could you know it's it, it really is eight to five kind of, well eight to five wink wink like it could be half six seven o'clock whatever it might be now not too often but there's t- there's fellas that work for me in dublin and they'd be like routinely on they're on some global project with somebody in america and the per- person in america sets the meeting recurring every week friday at, at nine o'clock in the morning which is or, your three o'clock or in the morning or... mostly eight o'clock in the evening yeah yeah so the boys are up at eight work to eight finish at five six and then back in at eight o'clock for another meeting or two and like yeah so no for me i'm fairly stringent half seven to five or eight to half five or whatever it might be that's 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 the way i stick to it i I, I couldn't i couldn't be dipping in and out you know so you'd see them emailing at six o'clock in the evening seven o'clock in the evening eight o'clock in the evening nine o'clock in the evening i'd be like what do these people be at like they must be constantly just looking at their phone and then back in to log in to send an email and yeah no eight eight, half seven to five is kind of the standard fuck it it's enough like sure was it oh god yeah yeah plenty monday to friday presumably or is it what is yeah yeah monday to friday yeah because the data center is obviously 24 7 365 yeah 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 24 7 365 and are you on call then at the weekend Uh, or i suppose you are yeah like you you're supposed to have your work phone with you the whole time now i don't (laughs) you know so if something happens we've we've actually have a whatsapp group where there's a couple of us from dublin on the whatsapp group so if something happens the lads that check their stuff all the time you'll see it in the whatsapp group but i don't really pay much attention but if there was somebody badly hurt your phone would be ringing like but unless that you'll be getting emails 24 7 but you're not expected to reply to them like you know what i mean and what is the real danger i mean out of the oh, electricity so you oh, okay. you have, you have massive fucking mass rich, yeah yeah electric electric yeah electrocutors yeah yeah so like or it, melted. Yeah, yeah, melted. yeah melted yeah <laughs> that's that's what you're talking about there yeah yeah, melted, yeah so you uh in any of the electrical rooms you have to wear certain arc flash gear so arc flash is um calibrated clothing explosion stuff isn't it kind of yeah it, it will mean that if the oh it won't generate a spark yeah and if if one of the panels is looking to drop a load from the panel into you into the ground so you won't be inert if that makes sense so so the if because of your clothing yeah it's arc arc flash so an arc from a breaker so just say there's a breaker oh, there like and the, like the gas jumps, hub the little, you know, yeah, the little the, arc the, of electricity the, 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 yeah yes. picture that only it's like whatever 200 a foot thick. yeah 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 and melting yeah like that's so Jesus. so you have to wear arc flash gear like you know um some of the switching they'll have big huge rubber gloves they'll have full balaclavas and then they'll have a full face mask and like tisk tick and, and, the, and what are you walking on what's the what's the subs what's rubber the, mats the whole place is just uh, rubber mats no the electrical rooms are all rubber mats yeah. okay and that's just to stop you from being grounded yeah, to grounded yeah, yeah. Okay. and you'll obviously be wearing rubber sole shoes and all that kind of business and that the rubber sole shoes that's issued to you by the corporation or yeah yeah so all 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 same as any company all personal protective equipment is supposed to be paid for by the company and yes, issued to you. so you'll get your own two sets of so any of the guys that work on the electrical stuff they'll have all this arc flash gear They'll wear it all the time. So they have to wear, they look like Snickers and like a shirt kind of thing. So it's like a heavy shirt and Snickers and boots. They'll wear that when they're in and out of the electric room. And then if they go to do any live switching where they need to maybe, as I said, there's two different power supplies coming into the electric room. They need to switch one off and one on or switch from one to the other. When they do that, you're turning off massive power and turning on massive power. So when they're turning it off, they'll have the full suit on them, the whole 
balaclava, the headgear, the whole lot, and they'll face away. Nobody else is allowed in the electrical room, and they'll push the big, boom, big breaker down and call off the power and in the same. So they'll have all big, massive things, you know, uh, policies in place, uh, safe operating procedures or steps that you need to do to make sure you do it correctly. So that's all laid out, and they'll all follow them down to a T. So yeah, that's the main risk. Definitely the main risk. Yeah, is the electrical shock. And was like what? What are you talking about? And what's it even measured in? Is it is it uh, amps, amps, volts, watts? amps, volts? Yeah, amps and volts. Yeah. So amps. So put that into context for for me. And yeah. Okay. So everyone for, else. Yeah. Um. So just say. Uh, right. Okay. Uh. The your your electrical socket has a thirteen amp fuse on it. Yes. So, one of these boards could be four thousand amps. That's okay. Now, and I, how many I, boards are you dealing with? Uh, so the the main power coming in, I think, is two hundred and twenty thousand volts. Fuck. Okay. Oh, now, now that's, this, this is actually embarrassing because I am a electrician and <laughs> I should know this shit. And to be honest, I'm I'm literally just saying numbers. I don't fucking know. It's massive. It's massive. That's <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. I, all I know is it's big enough to to literally melt you. So I'd be like, right, that that's enough for me. I, I so I, I have it right. So each of the campuses has a 110 kva distribution center so kva is a thousand volts thousand volt amps volt amps yeah so i don't when, the, <laughs> when you get your massive <laughs> yeah, when you, i should i really should know this but i actually don't that shows how much i, I don't really care that much but, I really <laughs> <laughs> but like you're, you're talking you know uh, inter-county pylon yeah. Oh, level yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 like you're talking like outrageous outrageous electricity yeah uh, I might have picked you up wrong or you might have misspoken earlier but you Go said on. at one point that the electricity forgive me now but it goes in in aluminium and comes out in copper did yeah, you say that yeah yeah so, so does, what does that mean that it goes in in aluminium yeah so the the cable um, the cable is that the voltage is that high that you don't actually the reason you use copper cable in a, in a house is, is um because of volt drop so if you connect this is just a basic if you, if you connect a, a, an electrical power lead to a fuse board and then you walk 50 meters away f- with the lead every meter you walk the volt drops so if you have a plugged in and it's 220 volts or 230 which is what you get at your board if you walk 100 meters you might only get 200 volts and if you walk 150 meters, you're probably down to 100 volts. So the lower the voltage, the harder it is for the power to go through the cable. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. To, to do resistance. Yeah, to it? do resistance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the bigger the cable, the easier the power flows. Yes. So you, you picture you you're, uh, you have a shed out the back of your house and you want to plug in you know, a welder or something like that. You'll have to run a large cable from your fuse board in your house out to the shed. So... A large cable where if you plugged your welder in inside you wouldn't need that big of a cable because it doesn't have to travel the 50 meters before it gets to your shed and then is distributed out so when the power is coming from the esb or from one of these substations it actually comes in in aluminium the reason it comes in in aluminium is because the power is that high that you don't actually have to worry that much about the volt drop and aluminium is i don't know a tenth of the price of copper or whatever it might okay. be now again that's just roughly yeah yeah, yeah yeah so the cable comes in in aluminium and it gets to that center and then it's distributed through copper so when uh, any of the electrical guys that be working in there could be when they're running the cables in the first place and they're doing the construction side of things the boys could be making more money off the copper that they bring home in their toolbox than their wages jesus yeah so all the boys that work for um the cable pulling 
subcontractor of the electrical company so the main electrical company do the whole job but they get specialists in to pull these big copper cables in and then they connect them into the boards and the guys that connect them at the boards will have, have, the, have the waste the, the, but it's kilos of pure copper yeah so they shouldn't have the waste so they're you know robbing it <laughs> or whatever <laughs> so you, you like it's hilarious because i worked uh i was subcontracted in to the cable pulling company for two or three months i actually worked in amsterdam in one of the data centers as well uh the boss was like i'll go work for them for a couple of months I was like, oh, this is great in and the buy swag so swag is what uh off cuts of uh, copper is called so everything is about swag it's they're like addicts they're like oh did you get much today or what's the story with that or because uh, what will happen is the main electrical company will have apprentices walking around keeping an eye to see oh he's after cutting so if you pull the cable in when you pull the cable in to get it into the board you need a certain amount of leeway to get the cable bent and up into the board so there's always an off cut nobody ever has a perfect the guy pulling the cable doesn't connect the cable it's a different fella so yes. the guy connecting the cable always has a couple of mil but a couple of mil in the cable that's the width of a, a cup you could say it could be worth 30 euro or 40 euro yes in, in weight so i think copper was 60 euro a kilo so six grand a ton six grand a ton yeah yeah. yeah yeah so you know there could be you know a little kilo here a kilo there a kilo oh, there. yeah yeah, yeah. Right. so the lads could have three four five six hundred quid worth of copper so that you'd, you'd see them with their their toolboxes they never had tool bags or toolboxes that you carried by hand they used to always have them in these little roller trolleys like. trolleys yeah so you'd see so them hide the weight yeah yeah hide the weight yeah hide it in swag yeah i even some of the fellas had a, one of them two of them came together and got a container and instead of going to the scrap dealers in ireland were shipping it out via container themselves to china fuck way the way the container basically full of copper and Send it, away yeah. with it. that's that's how much you're talking about like jesus so <laughs> the swag yeah they'll be always on about the swag much swag today david they're all nordies <laughs> as well for some fucking reason yeah yeah mad mad uh, my, it was a good experience yeah i went to amsterdam for i think i was there for a month or two months seven to seven monday to saturday seven to four sunday two grand a week wow Fuck. Yeah. And the place in Amsterdam that you're in, I know it's not going to be the same as the place you're in now, but what I'm thinking of is because of, I think, what's called leanness in, for example, Ryanair, I believe all their planes, they might have 500 planes. Yeah, yeah. They're all identical. Yeah, yeah. The idea being that if one pilot calls in sick or if, yeah, you know, yeah. whoever calls in sick or it needs to be fixed, it's all the exact same. So it, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're working on a Ryanair plane, they're all the exact same engines, you know, seats, the fucking cockpit, the whole lot. Are the data centers kind of similar across the board? Could you do your job in a data center in South Africa? Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be. It's fairly similar. You have power, you have the servers, and you have the cooling. Now, all the equipment would be completely different. Uh, an example, um, the company I work for, there's actually companies that build data centers and then lease them back to the data storage companies. Yes. So they'll actually, the, the construction, they're like a, a property development company they'll actually foot the 100 million to build the data center and then rent it back to the data storage company for 50 million a it's, year it's the same thing as a, a huge construction company building a bridge and then leasing it to the country they build yeah it yeah basically. same as the m3 sure what's the is it sayak or what's that company that yeah yeah see you can something like, a joint venture yeah, yeah yeah so same same principle as that um so we're taking over ownership one of them currently uh, to rent it for the next 10 years or whatever because we can't build them quick enough and uh so all the equipment is different. So there's, you know, different risk assessments for the equipment. But yeah, it's basically, it's all different, but it, it's all kind of the same. If you know what I mean, the cooling is a little bit different and the electrical rooms look a bit different and the generators aren't caterpillar or 
something else whatever whatever. Brand, yeah. but it's the same roughly the same idea but it looks a bit different but yeah it's the same okay and on the cooling side yeah how is it cool is it hydro cooled or uh, like, is there water involved or um, so, is it refrigeration or is it just basically blowing hot air out yeah the sunroof so air handling units they're called ahus yeah so, yeah yeah so it's, it's hey, a big h-fax yeah basically a big h and it just sucks out the hot air and it just blows it straight out onto the roof. Now, I, there's definitely cooling involved because I know we need to do Legionella testing in... Sorry, Legionella? Yeah, um, so Legionella um, Legionella is a form of... Bacteria. I Actually, I'm going to rhyme this off because I have to do safety induction the whole time. Go for it, <laughs> yeah. go for it. So there was a company... <laughs> Legionella was first discovered in, in a hotel in America in 1950. And the reason... Blah, 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 that, that is actually <laughs> oh, how it started. No, no, I, no, cause I, can't, I read it off a screen. Like, I couldn't... <laughs> I wouldn't remember, but basically what Legionella is, Legionella is a bacteria and it thrives in between, uh, I think it's between four, uh, 20 degrees and 40 degrees and it it, it uh, multiplies, it's found in water at a temperature between 20 and 60 degrees and it multiplies and it can actually kill you. Legionnaire's disease is that? Uh, I think it's Legionnaire. I don't know. Is Legionnaire's disease uh, rat's piss? I have no yeah. idea. No, that's wheels disease. Oh, well, then that's what it is. Legionnaire's disease. Yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I know we. I, the only reason I know there's water involved because I know we actually have a company that come in and do the testing to make sure that the the there's no Legionella in any of the water in the buildings, and they they test it the air handling units. So there's definitely water involved to cool to cool the. The servers. Yeah, or t- t- sorry, to cool the, the air going out before they can release it into the atmosphere, maybe something like that. Would that make sense? Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, so I, you're I, right. Big air, bear, big air handling units that just suck a certain amount of hot air out of the data hall every couple of seconds or minutes or whatever. And like these, these units are uh, two meters by two meter. That's how big the ducting is, if you know what I mean. And it's yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah, you fucking crawl through. Yeah, them, yeah, run, easily. Yeah, run yeah. through them. Yeah, 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 you nearly would. Yeah, yeah. So they they come out with the data hall uh, where the servers and where the heat is generated, and they go into a big air handling unit, which is like a big huge box, and then it's brought up and out the the roof. Yeah, because my, my understanding, uh, as part of kind of heat recovery systems, generally. I don't know if it's in yet or if it's coming in and if it is coming in it mightn't be coming in for another fucking 20 years but the idea is that if you're creating excess heat for example like I am in my grow room or like you guys would be in data centres the future of that is that you're not allowed to just vent it out into the air. And it might be in to a certain degree now. I'm not sure how much or how little. Have you, have you any yeah, dealing with that? Yeah, I, I know in one of the newest sites um, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that they're either feeding electricity back into the grid that that they're not using. So if there's an excess amount of electricity that they don't actually use, they're feeding it back into the grid in the local areas. And there's one of the newest ones as well has some kind of the air before the air leaves the it's there's some heat exchanger that's pulling the heat and heating water, and that's going into the community. There's definitely something. There's them yeah, two elements. I'd imagine so. Yeah, yeah. and I'd imagine, to be honest, it's outrageous that there's not more considering the amount of electricity and the amount of hot air they're releasing, that there's not more government. You need to be doing this. Like in one of the ones I work in, there's like a bee farm. This is them offsetting the carbon footprint of like a couple of little bee boxes. Yeah. And like they're, they're using. Fucking piecemeal. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a little environmental team, but like it's. Yeah, the government sure they're obviously they're getting so much tax or whatever. Often they're just like, ah, yeah, no, yeah, you course. know, yeah. I I remember seeing, I think I saw it on LinkedIn before. It was a girl that I was connected with. She changed jobs, and um, you know, Mary McGee or whatever her mm-hmm. name was has changed jobs, and her new title was what the fuck was it? Now let me get this right. Head of sustainability at was it 
head of environmental sustainability at IKEA, the disposable furniture company. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, yeah, like, yeah. and her first post was like, you know, we've made a massive transition. We've gone from plastic straws to paper straws. And you're just like, Jesus. Yeah, like. so there, there is an environmental team in Dublin and they solely their sole responsibility is making sure we get planning permission. Sorry, so I, I lost you for a second. Yeah, no Sorry. problem. Yeah. So I think there's three, three people, three or four people that work for this company in the environmental team in Dublin, but their only job is to is make that, sure that you get planning permission. Yes. Whatever environmental things due to, uh, because of the size of the generators, each uh, data centre has a thousand li- uh, 100,000 litre diesel fuel storage. So there's a couple of things that would cause environmental concerns. So that they, yeah, that's that's solely their job is just to make sure you get planning, make sure you're complying with whatever. Here's a, uh, an interesting one for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only found out this recently that diesel goes off. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know that much about it. But yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, but, yeah. But just what's made me think is it? what did you say? Is it a 100,000 litre tank? 100,000 litre. Uh, or is that across all the generators? Uh, that does the 10, roughly 10 generators. Because I go through a fair amount of diesel here between heating the place and just deliveries with the van and that. And I bought, oh, it was a tank of diesel. It was about, don't quote me on this, but it was about 1,000 litres of diesel um, maybe a year ago. And it was, again, don't quote me, but I think it was 1,300 quid. And I bought the same amount again, and it was fucking 700 quid. Yeah, yeah. From the same company. Now, maybe I could have shopped around, and I could have got a bit better, but I mean, a difference of it, it practically doubling. I was thinking, hang on a second, I could have bought an extra tank and got this another 1,000 litres for nearly the same money. And then I got thinking, what if I bought a 5,000 <laughs> litre tank? And, you know, I filled my car out of it, and the lads working with me filled their car out of it, and we could get by that way. Yeah. But then I, after two-minute Googling, it was like, oh, no, diesel goes off after a period of time. Now, yeah, I didn't even go any further than that. Yeah, like it maybe it lasts 20 years, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so uh, my relations own a diesel distribution company. Okay. And uh, I know that... Uh, one of my cousins was talking about it a couple of months ago and he was saying due to the price of kerosene going down in April or was it March or April, people were filling their tanks that much that um, old plastic diesel tanks were splitting in half and the diesel was going everywhere. And a lot of people were buying second tanks just for that exact reason because the, the price of kerosene, or kerosene had gone down so much because of COVID or at the start of it, there was a big drop in the price of kerosene. I think it was like, it used to be like a thousand euro for a fill of a, t- a thousand litres and it was down to 320 or 230 or something yeah yeah so there was loads of people that were um just filling the tank yeah, buying, was... buying a second tank so i i'd, I'd say 10 i i'm, I'm, I'm talking shit. i don't know I, I wouldn't imagine it's less than three or four years before it, 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 i don't know but even three or four years would you be running tests on your generator oh, that time. much yeah the whole time to yeah. go through to cycle through that amount? yeah yeah to do yeah yeah to test it the whole time i even remember uh last year or was it two years ago there was a water shortage and they had uh forty thousand liter standby uh tanks some company was hiring them in just to have on standby in case that the water levels dropped before a certain amount and there was any kind of water shortage put on that they could just pump the water straight into the yeah you see that that's where it gets kind of weird isn't it like yeah. there's, a, there's a drought certain communities don't have water yeah but yeah. you know the big data center yeah, has yeah, fucking yeah. plenty like 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 you know like a, a huge mclory kind of size you know like a oh, yeah, yeah forty thousand litre kind of articulated sitting outside each one of them ready to connect them like just fail safe after fail safe yeah after it's fail madness safe. i even remember um on the heavy snow they had uh teams staying in hotels beside uh the data centers and the team would come in 
and come in and get up onto the roof and shovel a bit of snow off each time just to make sure that the roof weight didn't go above a certain amount and all yeah that. yeah yeah mad stuff just like a plan for a plan and there's a plan about this plan and then there's a backup plan if that goes wrong and there's a meeting about this plan and yeah yeah of course yeah i meant to say something a minute yeah. ago about the um the heat recovery yeah there's the biggest glass house in the uk i can't remember how big it is you know the size of mead yeah, yeah it's yeah. fucking colossal it measured in acres to give you an idea of the size of it like but it's um, it was built to grow tomatoes, but it's right next door to a beet processing. No, it's a sugar factory. So they bring in uh, beet. You know, yeah, yeah, beet, sugar beet. Yeah, yeah, sugar yeah, yeah. beet. There we go. They bring in the sugar beet to process. And now again, this factory's huge. It could employ fucking five hundred people. It's enormous, but it creates a massive amount of heat um, as a byproduct yeah, of yeah. processing the sugar, and all that gets pumped into the glass house no to way. heat the the glass house, but. An extra added um, interesting point on it is they're growing cannabis in it. In the UK, they've been uh, doing it in a couple of years. GE Pharmaceuticals, I think they're called. So the, the cannabis as in has a CBD level, which is kind of high, and then a THC level that's lower than 0.3%. I don't know, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Um, I'm interested in your <laughs> incredible fucking <laughs> level of knowledge in the subject. Yeah, so <laughs> I, used to, I used to smoke on a good bit, I suppose, and I gave it up about two and a half years ago and um still like the notion of smoking it or whatever um so about a year ago the, there's a grow shop which is down the road from my house which sells um all the stuff you might need to grow your vegetables wink wink and um they started selling this cbd that has, it can be any percentage of cbd but it has to be lower than 0.3 percent thc that's whatever the limit is in europe or ireland and england anyway and you're able to buy Purple Haze, Pineapple Express, whatever it might be. You smoke it, it tastes exactly the same. Well, it is. It yeah, is sure, exact it's same. Exactly, exactly the same, yeah. Um, and I know I was also buying it from a, a, a company in England. So I'm presuming that's why, I don't know if it was grown there or whatever. But yeah, it was lovely. Like We had a, a vaporizer, because I don't smoke, obviously don't smoke giants or that. But we had a vaporizer. I haven't done it in months, but the vaporizer might sit down on a Friday evening and just smoke it. And you still kind of get the nice taste and obviously the relaxation of the cbd but you don't get any of the mental high from the thc it's a nice job yeah like just yeah, something no. something like I suppose like drinking non-alcoholic beer maybe i don't know something like yeah, that it's not it's not, yeah. not far off it. it's yeah, not a perfect yeah. analogy but it's not yeah, terrible yeah, it's either, kind, yeah yeah so yeah give up the green and and was that work related did they do drug, drug no, testing no no mental health related oh, for your, your own mental yeah, health yeah not not i wasn't going mental or anything but uh i just oh i noticed i if i smoked i'd be depressed the next day yeah, you get a stone over. Yeah, and I used to love the stone over. I used to love waking up on a Saturday morning and you'd have that kind of foggy head and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to do fuck all today. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And then the mortgage and the kids and all that. No, wait, before all that. Yeah, before okay. yeah, before I read the mor- yeah, before I read the mortgage. Just, I, I, I really noticed it uh, on a Friday evening I'd smoke and then I, I would actually be depressed and I'd be like, what is going on here? It'd be like I've gone out, not the same as drinking a fucking skip load of pints and being dying the next day, but... It's something similar, like, and not similar. It's different, but I wouldn't be happy, like, and this was happening every Friday night. I was smoking, depressed Saturday, a half hour right Sunday if I'd done exercise in the morning. Then I'd smoke on a Tuesday, same thing Wednesday, do absolutely nothing at work on Wednesday. And then, yeah, and this was just a big cycle that was going on and on and on. And I was like, right, fuck it, I'm going to give it, I'll give it up. Now, me actually, my girlfriend helped me because she used to smoke, but she used to never have any ill effects from it at all. Like, she'd be like, what are you on about? And I'd be like, no, I just don't feel great today. And she'd be like, 
you know that every you know it's a recurring thing like and every monday i'd be like right that's the end of it not doing it again then tuesday evening they call down to the boys and they'll be like oh yeah but yeah and then <laughs> i do it again and then it was just like a big cycle and then i was like oh fuck it, i'll just give it up and i give it up it took me about a month i'd say to get used to not having that but i replaced it with alcohol but i'll only drink two cans on a friday night where i would have never drank cans on a friday night do you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. I, I drink two cans on a friday night maybe two cans on a saturday night and that's the kind of thing but uh yeah i don't know the more recently i suppose the magic mushrooms have kind of filled that void in a way only that you'd only do magic mushrooms maybe every three or four weeks as opposed to smoking three times a week if you know what i mean yeah, they don't lend themselves to you be yeah, used all the time. No, no. So um, that would would have been my advice for the last while, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, your missus is Spanish, I believe. She is. See? Did she? See? <laughs> Did she? Um, maybe you don't know, maybe you do, but I believe cannabis is legal in Spain. 100% not, I don't think. Well, I've Hashish, been to Spain and Hashish, bought it so, in a yeah, shop. So okay, fair enough. No, it was in a... I had to... I had to air quotes become a member but oh. i still bought weed in a fucking legal shop in right. spain like. well maybe it is yeah friend all i know is that any of her friends that smoke or the ones that i know of smoke would just grow with themselves but you see that's the thing my yeah, understanding I also think, is that you can grow up to three or four plants i think so yeah i think and just because the weather would be, be perfect for it like you'd be doing it outside and the fact that it's so close to morocco and all the hashish <laughs> yes of course yeah so it's, it, it's very cheap like. it's interesting about the weather though because i believe you're able to grow i think uh, I have in my head it's three or four plants. It could be fifty. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But there's a limited amount of plants you can grow, and I think specifically you can't grow under lights, which means you're restricted to like it might be most of the year, but it's you're still restricted yeah. to doing it outside, which kind of limits a lot of people. So if you live in an apartment, you're not going to have a whole pile of weed growing in your balcony. Yeah, yeah. You can, but you know it's it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. Over, I suppose now that her friends are a bit older, maybe they don't do it as much. But I, I know some of them definitely do, and, and most of them would have done before. Um, would have been growing their own little bits and pieces and yeah. on the top of their apartment or whatever it might be. Yeah. What led you to start using psychedelics? Um, so I suppose my first psychedelic trip was your stereotypical young lad adventure. Went to Amsterdam with my friends, went into one of the shops, bought the magic mushrooms, took the magic mushrooms, and kind of... I don't know. I didn't have like v- visuals and stuff like that, but it. I, I'll start again. So yeah, I went to Amsterdam, bought the magic mushrooms, done the complete arseways way of doing it. Didn't didn't uh, not eat food for a couple of hours. Was eating sweets and chewing. So basically, we got them. Went up to a hotel room, sat in the hotel room, watched South Park, took the magic mushrooms, ate a heap of sweets. I was like, "There's fuck all happening here." Went down to to the shop to buy more sweets. Um, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just I remember walking out onto the street and being like, "Oh, what the fuck!" And went down to the shop. Didn't even want, couldn't even go into the shop and had to come back up and back up to the room and was like, "Oh, this is a bit mad." And then any time I ever took any other uh, classes, I always remember thinking, "Nah." Didn't really do. It yeah, no. Nah, I, I, I think doing. What, what have you tried? Do you mind? Do you mind me asking? Ah, the full shillelagh, apart from heroin, I suppose. Okay. Or meth, or you know, whatever social kind of stuff. People so, with. ecstasy, yeah. hash, cannabis, whatever, cocaine. Yeah, not not much cocaine, but yeah, yeah. Like if you were going to a festival, you might be taking a bit of MDMA or whatever might be happening. But I, I do always remember after that trip, and then I was like, yeah, I don't. These really aren't. I don't know. I, I, I just remember because it was like a whole, my mind was completely different. I, I just, it always stuck in my head. And then 
um, and sorry, in a negative way, like no, in a positive it? way. Okay. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah apologies. Oh, I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, no apologies. I, I, I think when I took the magic mushrooms, and that was my first experience of anything bar weed and alcohol, that was how I kind of compared everything else. Yes. So I had this magic mushroom experience, which was great crack. Uh, went down, you know, everything was mad, and I was like, Jesus. And then whenever you're taking coke or MDMA or whatever, it's just kind of like. Yeah, it's still the same, only I'm off my head. I don't know, it's not a whole different world that you're in, you know, that kind of, I, yeah. maybe I'm not describing it properly. So that was, I went to Amsterdam, done it, then came back, probably didn't do anything for two or three years. And then one of my friends was like, one of my brother's friends was actually like, oh, Davey, we go up to the Hill of Tower and pick magic mushrooms. I was like, oh, you can do that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. I was like, fucking yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, went up to the Hill of Tower, picked a load of Liberty Caps, whatever they were at the time, made tea. And when I look back at it now, we got a big pot, threw them all into the pot, made tea with like tea bags and then put milk into it. I oh. were drinking it like tea. I remember taking them and we got a taxi to the Vortex at the time. <laughs> and I can remember, I can, yeah, that's how long ago it was. And, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the Vortex is like a dingy nightclub outside Dunshockland. And uh, went into the nightclub and I can remember I was standing on the dance floor with no alcohol. We didn't drink anything at all. And... Um, <laughs> The, the music notes I could see the music notes coming out of the speaker and going across the dance floor and that was it I was sold and, <laughs> and, and, and ever since then you know the, the going up picking them I, I might have missed a year or two um, where I was in holidays or going out with somebody that wasn't interested or you know whatever it might have been um, and then would have picked them had the same great experience but would have done it twice and then not being able to find anymore that would have been the end of it and then recently um so a year ago just this time last year basically we would have picked them didn't get that many done it once or twice and then i was like there has to be a way of fucking finding these things like you know it's not that impossible you can buy anything online so i i got um magic truffles from amsterdam and got them posted over and that's what i've been doing for the last of it well a year I suppose. And my understanding of the truffles is it's psilocybin so the same active yeah, compound that's yeah. in the liberty caps exactly Fran. yeah yeah um i think from my basic understanding is they grow underneath the ground as opposed to growing out of the ground you should know <laughs> mushrooms grow up and these are like the yeah root, my, the roots are maybe something different oh it's a, it's a while since i looked into this yeah. but it, it's both they're both based my my terrible understanding of them is that the so the mushroom itself is similar to a fruit so the mycelium is the equivalent of the plant because fungi aren't plants. They're completely different, but there is a certain, there's an analogy you can use. So the plant, the, the let's say the leaves and the stems, the equivalent of the leaves and the stems is called mycelium and it's typically underground, uh, on the surface of the ground, but, you know, within the first inch or two of the soil, say, typically speaking. And then what happens is it, quote unquote, fruits and sends up a mushroom. And then in the mushroom are what's called spores. They're the equivalent of seeds. They get scattered. And if it's in the right environment, you know, more mycelium will grow and a mushroom might pop up. What causes the mycelium, if the, if the mycelium is in the right climate and the right condition and everything's just right, say, it'll send up a mushroom. But if there's something off, if something isn't quite right during that process, the mushroom quote-unquote shoot that, that's about to come up kind of curls around in itself and makes like a deformed mushroom under the ground which is essentially a truffle 
I've maxed out my <laughs> yeah, knowledge yeah, yeah. here now, and there's fucking my 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 colleagist mates are listening to me and just shaking just their fucking head up. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> screaming at the fucking speakers. That's that's my understanding of it. So, yeah, the 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 magic truffles are it's the same. It's fungi basically. It's yeah, a, it's a in a weird way. It's a type of mushroom, which was weird because there's. Are you familiar with the Chuckle Brothers? Or not the Chuckle Brothers. The fucking um, Truffle Brothers. Go on. <laughs> so you used to be able to buy yeah. uh, psychedelic mushrooms in Amsterdam. Yeah, you just yeah. go into the shop, ask for some magic mushrooms, and you had a selection to pick from. That was all banned a couple of years ago. And there was a company who was making these, or who was growing these mushrooms. And 99% of their business was mushrooms. But as a as an aside, as, an, as a little kind of thing they did as product development, they started making magic truffles because it was a bit of crack and, you know, why not? So when mushrooms became illegal, that 1% of their business became their entire business. Yeah. Two brothers were running it and yeah. they're kind of nicknamed the Truffle Brothers. Did you so watch a YouTube documentary on them? Oh, possibly. Yeah, because <laughs> you're, 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 yeah, yeah, you're exactly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the one I watch. Yeah. yeah, so if yeah. you stick in Truffle Brothers into YouTube, yeah. you're more than likely going to find the same kind of thing that we saw. So... You've listened to mine and Ivor's conversation, or have you? Or have you? Sp- yeah. Have you listened to me speak about psychedelics? Yeah, or of other course. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, from what you've told me thus far, at least, are taking them, let's say, recreationally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you gone much deeper than that, or do you intend to, or what are your um, thoughts on the whole spirit world? End no, of things? I, I haven't. I, I have. I, once unintentionally, I took way too many, and I didn't have a. I suppose it was a bad experience. I just was completely off my head and was just not there at all kind of thing i i was drunk at the time so it's kind of hard to ex- explain okay were you like could you converse with people were you in the room yeah i was in the room yeah okay. but it, it was like uh it was like what happened was me and my friend had picked a load of them took them went into the again i was probably taking them in, in the wrong way but took them went into the nightclub in navin had a great old crack Definitely the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, in the wrong way, but I don't know. Like you go in and like you're you're experiencing something from a whole well, different from from a, a very large dose. The completely oh, the yeah, wrong way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so talked them, went home. Uh, your man's like, oh, we'll take more of them. I was drunk. I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. What's and the worst? The yeah, 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 exactly. He took a, he took some. I took the same amount. Next thing, about an hour later, he started coming up or whatever. Or you know, getting and I was like, well, I'm not coming up, so I took more. And oh, then, no. Yeah, yeah. An hour later, and they were actually dried liberty caps is what they were so i was like picking them like bundles of them into my mouth and that'll do it yeah then boom lying on the ground buck naked in the kitchen sweating like a pig and like not being a happy camper Um, and that's the one time that i went too far all the rest of the times i've uh taken them just had kind of visuals really just generally nice time really happy (laughs) kind of really like this sometimes you'll have you'll have the deeper thoughts and you'll be thinking about something You'll, you'll go in not even realizing that you're, there's something on your mind and then you'll walk you'll come out of it and say right i need to sort that shit out whatever it was going on or is going on or whatever it might be that's happened a good few times uh i've never actually gone into it thinking right i'm going to take these sit down and i'm going to deal with a problem i have or figure out why i'm doing this or why i don't do this or whatever not really it's more of a kind of take them it's like an experience like a friday saturday evening do some exercise in the morning, maybe go for a cycle, come home, don't eat for a couple of hours, sit down, get the mushrooms ready, take, <laughs> yeah. take the mushrooms, go for a walk in the forest or whatever it might be around my house, come back and 
just be feeling like a champ. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, look, that's, the, uh, that's look, as, as deep as I've gotten, really. Like, to be yeah, honest. but look, there's not, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, like, yeah. So, provided you're not doing it, you know, when you're supposed to be minding your kids, no, or yeah, yeah. kids are going driving. Yeah, or, do you know yeah. Kind of way? yeah, the risk is all on yourself. Yeah, um, which is you know each to their own. All yeah, that jazz. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about about the truffles is, do they give you know a milligrams of psilocybin? Per truffle or per bag, or are there strengths? Can you? Yeah. So or what way does it work? Yeah. So if you, if you go onto the, the website, uh, Fran. So I've used a couple of different companies, but basically they're all the same. Uh, you know, they have the the couple of like their Mexican. Uh, they have a couple of kind of brand names. I don't know if they're brand names, type names. I suppose they have. They'll show you the strengths uh, from a hundred. I don't know how relative that is, but they'll say you know visual effect, hallucination effect laughing effect <laughs> you know this kind of yeah, thing and yeah. they'll say how Not strong exact science, yeah yeah so. and they'll say how strong they are so you'll buy them in 15 gram bags so okay. 15 gram bags is a dose basically that's wet presumably yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah. so you, I, I take them um and then we two options ways of do, what we were doing was we were boiling them but not to i don't think, I think it's eight there's a certain temp i got a temperature of the oak and all to make the the, the tea with them um, i think it's 80 degrees or something anyway before the psilocybin starts burning off so boil them and then drink the tea or uh, what we're doing lately was actually liquidizing them we liquidize them and then drink it like a shot okay it's rough it's not the tastiest thing you just gone and half an hour later it starts kicking in where the tea you might take an hour an hour and a half before you start to kind of right. feel it coming on yeah when you say liquidize now you're putting them in a blender yeah, or in a okay. blender so put it in a blender with water and maybe two raspberries or something just to take that real you know the taste i don't mushrooms do you ever have the truffles yes Dark, it's, it's like a, a rotten, giant snot yeah maybe, isn't like it? Rotten, rotten nuts kind of taste off them it's it's uh, it's not nice so if you put a couple of raspberries it just takes it off and you just drink it sit there you'll get that kind of sick feeling for about 20 minutes possibly depending on how good they are and then next thing you'll just be like oh geez the colors seem a bit funny in here yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. careful with the fruit um okay go be- on. the reason being i know that and again this is going to be very bro sciencey but there's, yeah, there'll yeah. be something to it i think if you take if you were to take lemon instead of the raspberry there's something in the lemon this i don't know if it's the acidity of it or i, I don't know what it is but there's something in it that really packs a punch so you know the way you might take a dose of um of mushrooms or truffles or whatever yeah, yeah. it is and you're looking at like a four hour period yeah so, well my understanding i haven't actually done it but yeah. my understanding is if you especially if you liquidize it and then add it in lemon into it or even put lemon into your tea it'll peak faster and harder and not last as long okay. that's my understanding now again i know Bro science alert. Well, I know what I'm going to be putting in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the only reason I said it to you was in case you yeah, went one day, you know, oh, fuck, I have no raspberries. Oh, I have a load of lemon. Launch yeah. that in. Well, you know? I remember the last time, typical bro science, I was doing it with Aidan and... Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Aidan who? Aidan. And I was doing it with Aidan and in my head, uh, if you took sugar or uh, bars or orange juice this stopped it working so i was like Adon, don't worry about it you take orange you know orange juice get rid of it grand you know it'll make you come out of it he's like all right grand then he looked it up and was like orange juice emphasizes the strength <laughs> <of magic." laughs> so he was like oh shit yeah yeah but you yeah. probably got that from uh if you smoke too much weed getting sugar into exactly. it is is, something, is good something yeah, but you the down. one thing i do notice is if i if i was having a trip and not that i've ever i've only had one or two bad ones but one um if you drink alcohol it seems to just uh, fill up your stomach and then it, it kind of stops you it kind of 
makes you come out of it a little bit quicker than you would okay. normally. Yeah, because I remember we went to that Bellator, took them before Bellator, and went up to the Tree Arena and was having a great time. And I was like, after an hour or two, I was like, I'll have a pint. I had a pint, and then it was just like gone. I was like, oh, fuck, why did, okay. why did I have that pint? Yeah, it was a good experience, actually. You've mentioned Bellator a couple of times, so throw in just what that is for oh, people. Oh, sorry. Who don't know. Uh, yeah, so, so Bellator is like a, it's an MMA, a cheaper, not cheaper less famous version of the UFC. The UFC yeah, yeah, so they'd probably have a couple of Dublin fighters and they've more of a European market kind of. Well they wouldn't, it's kind of fifty fifty, but they'd have more shows. So they've had two two in two thousand nineteen, I think we went to it's good. It's, the tickets are a bit cheaper and it's a bit of crack. Anyway, I I, I enjoy going to see any kind of uh, MMA, whether it be regional or, you know, whatever it might be, stuff in the GEA club or whatever in Dublin or the National Arena or in Bellator. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I went to the UFC a couple of times. I went to one in Manchester and two in England, or two in excuse me, two in Dublin. Because there's one thing I was going to bring up. I had asked you just over text message yeah. exchange before you came on. You know, had you kind of interest? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Combat sports was was one yeah. of them. When you said like when people ask me what I'm interested in, I list a thousand things. But combat sports, I won't. I wouldn't say. I'd say. I'd say cage fighting before I say yeah. combat sports. Are you ref- when you said combat sports? Were you referring to MMA specifically? Uh, no, just- no. So just say MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing, K one, anything like that. So uh, the, my girlfriend is quite interested in it as well. So we would have. Um, she was living in Dublin, and there'd be stuff on in Dublin every two or three weeks, and you, you just Friday evening you just go and watch a couple of fights. Yeah. So. I, I, doesn't matter the quality or whatever. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, you've a boxing background. And uh, all that. Yeah. Well, uh, I would have played football and rugby when I was younger, and then um, I kept getting injured playing football. And I was always kind of interested in boxing, but I never. There was no boxing club. I, there could have been a boxing club in Navan, but there was no family connection or there was yeah, no you uncle. In the loop. Yeah, or anything like that. Um, and I looked it up, and I was like, right, I'm just going to have a look at it. And I was going to a gym in Dublin, and in the gym they had a boxing class in a certain area of the gym for about two or three weeks I was kind of watching them doing the boxing I was like oh fuck so I went over one day and he went like oh yeah so I'd done the boxing in, in that club or the gym you know like box fit class for two or three months then I would join Dun- uh, Dunboyne Boxing Club and I was there for about a year then I went to uh, then it actually closed and I went to Celtic Warrior Gym in Dublin which is your man um, Collins Pascal Collins he's Steve Collins' his brother uh, and I was there for a couple of months and then since COVID it's kind of stopped so I don't I done one um Amateur fight, uh, last this Christmas just gone. Oh, very good, isn't it? Yeah, really yeah, that. yeah. So, Fuck. yeah, yeah. So, um, I went back to to the Celtic Warrior gym and I was only training for about a month or two. And your man that was there, because when I was in, uh, in the Nambang Boxing Club, it's actually a legitimate amateur boxing club. So there's big stringent rules. You have to do a medical. You have to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, get grand. I'll get fit enough and I do it. And then it actually closed. And then I was like, all right, fuck. So I, I didn't end up doing it. Then I played football for a year and then I went back to the or went to the Celtic Warrior one and it, I was just doing it as like a box fit no it's not a box fit it's a proper boxing club but it's a, it's a professional boxing club but they have an affiliation to Crumlin Boxing Club so the Crum, one of the Crumlin trainers he's this fella um what's his name Zor or something he's this big huge Romanian painter he's about <laughs> he's uh he's about literally 30 stone he's the biggest man you've ever seen in your life and uh He's real old Soviet style. I think he's from he's from Romania. He's from some Russian block anyway, and he's about fifty. And uh, he's running a kind of an amateur thing because he's from where the Celtic Warrior Gym is. So he lives beside it, uh, which is just beside Blanchardstown Cordoff. 
and uh, he was there he was doing the amateur boxing and i went to do a box for class or two and i was like these boys are actually doing proper am-. you know because when you go to the box for class they're, you're doing bag work and then it's just kind of it's fucking box fit it's not i wanted to learn how to box properly so i was doing that in Dunshockland. i seen them doing it in the amateur section the celtic warrior and i started doing that for a couple of months after a month or two your man's like oh there's a the crumlin boxing have a christmas boxing thing would you like to, to do a fight and then i was like he's like it's in a week's time on saturday and i was like yeah fuck it go on because I, I i've been thinking about it and talking shit about it for long enough and i was like yeah go on and the second i said yeah go on from then until the fight started i i don't think i've ever been more worried about anything or like uh worried anxious about something yeah, yeah. Up, upcoming until then um so yeah so obviously went to, on the wednesday to meet your man i was going to be boxing against in, in the little club competition done sparring with him didn't go well at all uh i got a good <laughs> couple of slaps sorry did you say you were you sparred with the guy yeah, you were going to be yeah, fighting yeah yeah so as i said they have like a christmas boxing thing and mcgregor comes and he does a couple of rounds with some of the locals or whatever and they have like fights so um, in the Crumlin Boxing Club they're not going to be fighting each other so they get fighters from different clubs so your yeah, man course, obviously yeah. in, in based in Cordoff is like oh I have two or three you know, I have a heavyweight fella or whatever he'll suit you know a year's experience he'll suit young Johnny or whatever your man was yeah you want people matched up you don't exactly, want someone yeah. experienced battering so, yeah, yeah exactly so they brought me over to do sparring with your man so your man the coach is like oh David take it easy you know he's only young so he was 18 or something like that and I was like alright oh, yeah no problem so he was just there you know jabbing whatever and your man <laughs> gave me a, a good couple of slaps <laughs> and I was like I mean not taking these he's like oh yeah, yeah i just get a bit mad sometimes i was like all right lad, whatever like <laughs> i was like he's only you know he's younger than me whatever let him out and then i i finished it and then i was like i don't really remember landing any slaps on him at all really like i was like that didn't go too well at all anyway. so that was on the wednesday and then on the thursday and then friday and i was like thinking about it i was like right once i have i'm gonna go i'm not gonna not go because if i don't go i'll regret not going for the rest of my life i'll always be that oh you bitched out of that one so i was like no fuck i'm going oh, fair play. yeah yeah so i went on the uh, saturday the fight was supposed to be a half six and you probably know from your own experience that if they tell you it's on a half six that really means it's on a half eight <laughs> so <laughs> I, right. yeah yeah yeah. so i arrived at half seven uh so the kids competition was on first and we were the first of the adults up the kids competition finished at something like half seven eight o'clock and i'd been standing there from half five stomach churning this going on and on and on it's like oh my next no one's like no you're not next you're next the next this went on and on and, on. and then the fight started the fight started uh i, I won the second of the third round, I'd say he won the first round and it was over and I felt like I was after taking the big bag of coke I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> high as a kite. Yeah, absolutely face. high as a kite, yeah. yeah. And I, th- that was it, done. And I was like, right, I'm never doing that again. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I, 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 it wasn't worth the, I, I'm quite, I, even when I was playing, when I would have been playing football when I was younger, if it came to any kind of an important game, I wouldn't sleep the night before. My stomach would be at me for the whole day. Wouldn't be able to eat food. So picture that only, I'm used to playing football. I know exactly what's going to happen. Well, in football, you're one of 15 as well. Yeah, yeah. And you've been doing it since you're five. Yes. Where this is like, God, he knows what's going to happen. If I went to do it again, I wouldn't be as nervous because I would have been like, well, the last time you actually done all right. So you're not going to panic. Like, mm. um, But yeah, no, I got the big high, drove home, actually took a load of magic mushrooms when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> Just had one of the best days ever. And then I was like, right, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Because I, I was literally all week. I couldn't think about anything. I like couldn't think about anything else. And he was like, this is not going to well. It's great though, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. in hindsight, I'd say, like, you'd probably have that up there. Like, if, if somebody, you know, if you fucking died tomorrow yeah, and you're yeah. looking back 100%. over your life, like, it's fucking up there. Like, you know? 100%. And I think the more the more you worry about it, the more of an impact it kind of has on you. Like, yeah, you know? I think if I had went uh, sparring on the Wednesday and it had went well, 
I would have been I would, on Saturday. I would have been like, oh no, this is fine. Like, but the fact that it went really badly, and then I was like, fuck it. The worst thing I once I don't get knocked out badly, I don't care. Like that. That was how I was aiming for the fight to go. Like, and it went a lot better than that. Like, so it was kind of like a. I still pushed myself to do it, and I was like, fuck it, fair play. You actually done it, even though you thought you were going to get the head slapped off you, and it went well, and you won, and yeah, so it was perfect. And it would, yeah, one of the like it'd be like. I know it's only a stupid regional little fighty thing, but it would be one of the things I would be proud of the fact that I actually done it. Like you know, oh, without a doubt, yeah, 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 fucking lutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a whole pile of difference between you know in the middle of Crow Park with fucking sixty thousand people looking at you and you making your debut with you know your coach and a few friends. Like you know, there's yeah. obviously a, there's, there's a there's a big difference, but it's still yeah. Do, do you know that kind of way? I I think so anyway. Very much. Well, so. you'd know more than I would, don't you? Well, I remember even before I made my debut, I was um, training away, and there was a guy shout out to Josh Coughlin, uh, who was training in the same club that I was in, but he had been there maybe maybe a year before I started. So he was like fucking well yeah, yeah. I saw him as a fucking godlike <laughs> yeah, character yeah, when yeah. I joined that club. Um and I aspired very much to be like him because you know he he was only doing it he, he was a million miles ahead of me, but at the same time he was only doing it a year and he's only human. So yeah, I was kinda yeah. eyeing him up going, you know, maybe not in a year, but in a year and a half because <laughs> we were in the same way class there, thereabouts, or whatever else. And I remember when he made his debut, it was down in uh, some big hotel down in Wexford, White's Hotel or something like that. And uh, myself and herself went down to just to check it out because I, the day I fucking saw the Ultimate Fighter on on the telly, I was like, I fucking want to do this, a hundred percent. So it was great to see him go down and make his debut because I'd been training with him for a couple of months. I knew his whole story and all the rest of it, and got to know him. And he was just this guy. Do you know he wasn't a Hall of Famer that lived in America somewhere? Like <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he was just a dude. Like. And I uh, went down and I was so nervous for his fight. I got that fucking drunk. I can't remember a bit of it. I was just <laughs> lurrying points into me. Not because I was on a session, because I was just nervous. Do you know that kind of way? I just, yeah. I just, I, if, if I was, if I was just sipping on a pint, I'd be, I'd be grand. But the second I was just standing there holding it, I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And that wasn't even for my own fucking debut. That was for someone else's, like. So I, I completely get yeah, where you're yeah. coming from, like. Um, you did a bit of training with me down here for a while, and then you went. Did you train with um, Roger? Uh, Hodger, yeah. Hodger. <laughs> Hodger. Shout out to Royal Grappling Academy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I, I don't even how that ended up. That I don't know. We must have been talking one day up in your mother's house, I presume, was it? I can't. Just have no idea. Yeah, I must. I think it was must have been Christmas because that's usually when your brother is home, and that's usually when I'd be up there. So we must have been talking about it. I think I was telling you that I was thinking about doing it because what had happened was uh, the boxing gym in done buying that clothes and i was like i want to do something and i i was obviously like the rest was to be listening to joe rogan i was listening you know bjj great learning you know it's good for your mind and all that kind of business and then came out here with you a couple of times and then went up i think i, I was there for maybe two or three months and then i got the job with the the corporation and i was moved to a different location so it wasn't beside the gym so it wasn't on my way home so that's kind of why i stopped but i, I definitely enjoyed it but if i'm being quite honest uh uh, the learning of the moves the thing i know it comes w- with with time and stuff like that but i i, I prefer the uh, um, the fucking power of the, the just the punching <laughs> just the, i just i don't know if it's me or i like i'd be kind of athletic so it kind of suits me that i'm like oh no I, i'm good at this because i'm athletic as opposed to going right i'm not that good at this because i i'm trying to think of what way to you know it's more of a, a thinking man's game maybe that's why i stopped i don't yeah, know no, yeah it, it, it but, can be yeah when i'm here with you I totally enjoy it. 
more so probably because instead of learning the moves which you need to do and that's the thing you need to focus on the most because you're never going to get good at it if you don't do it where like learning the moves for 10-15 minutes rolling for an hour where that was white belt learning for 55 minutes possibly no roll and then you're finished where I, I would be used to going to the boxing gym coming out and like nearly getting sick and then driving home and feeling like an absolute king where I was coming out of there and I was like oh I'm barely sweating do you know that and then I'd have yeah, to go home yeah. and do weights or go home go to the gym then afterwards to and get it, that out to you, get like, so I'm yeah. just used to that kind of so yeah maybe if I'd done gym beforehand and then went I'd be probably better off but. well look different like you were in in uh down with Hodger as you said in the Royal Grappling Academy <laughs> which is a great it's a great one isn't it <laughs> Hodger Dardis um, and a fucking fantastic club I couldn't Brilliant. recommend it more Brilliant. highly I went to him myself for a good while um, and I can't remember exactly what it was no it was actually I was training with him he was up in the rugby club at the time and I think in that rugby club yeah yeah we trained up there for a while Um upstairs upstairs yeah but it was a bit of a pain in the hole because he had to put his mats oh, down yeah, for yeah. every training class yeah. so it wasn't ideal then there was a change of venue and then he might not have been doing it in Navin for a while he was focusing more of his time Blanche. at the time in Blanche, in Blanche yeah. he's back in Navin now a good, yeah. a good while now so I think he's, he's up and running fully but just with work and everything else I never got back down to him but he would have a very um, step by step approach and you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that in the, in the least. Like it just, it wouldn't be personally. I, I don't. It wouldn't be for me, and I don't think it was for you. Yeah, yeah, kind of way. yeah. But if somebody wanted to kind of go step by step, cross all their T's, as you said, yeah. learning the fucking properly. Yeah. And as I'll say it to you, as I say it to anyone else that trains with me down here, you want to do striking or whatever it is, fucking Muay Thai, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu or all of those combined. If you want to do those properly go somewhere else yeah, yeah, of <laughs> i'm not i'm not a coach i'm not going to be able to ever train a fighter up to anything yeah yeah i want to just do it and enjoy it enjoy and it, yeah. learn as much as i can and train as much as i can and and all that jazz and it's it's a bit of crack more than anything yeah more. i actually bring the little fella into roger ah, did Roger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah as he's as you've known from now on yeah 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 i bring the young lad into the, the bottom of the what age is he seven in october november so in a month. and I, i'd imagine you'd like the adult version of his class would you because presumably it's not as step by step for a seven year old no maybe less maybe they might spend 10 minutes just from from watching from memory they might spend 10 or 15 minutes learning a move and then they'll try and do escapes or or takedowns or stuff like that yes and they might play a couple of games whatever in between but again he he must be the same as me or i must be like a child but he hates (laughs) he hates the first 20 minutes and you can see him and he's not happy and then the second he gets to take somebody down or wrestle somebody then he's delighted and every day after training he's like i'm never going back to it again Oh really? Yeah. Every time, and I'm like, yeah, but you like the last part. Oh yeah, I love the last part. But he just doesn't like the the learning of the the steps involved. He just wants to wrestle people. Like, yeah, that, that's yeah. purely it. So I I actually have to push him, keep pushing him to, to go. I don't know if I push him to go because I think when he goes to secondary school in St Pat's, if somebody ever says anything to him, he's like, oh well, I'm not afraid of you because I can do BJJ. You know, or it's I don't know. Well, I, it's I, a big confidence. Is that I I think it's I don't know if it's like a. It's a male thing because you've gone into St. Pat's or you've gone into school with a thousand young lads and you know exactly what it's like. And I I would have preferred if I had some... Maybe that's why I wanted to do boxing when I got older because I was like, oh, if I knew that then, I, I wouldn't have been so... Not worried, but you know you know the way you went to St. Pat's, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what it's like when you're in first year or second year. It's all a big, huge kind of... Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's daunting. Yeah, it's daunting like. enough, yeah. Where I often thought if I had that kind of 
background i'd be a bit more comfortable so maybe that's why i kind of want them to do it but maybe i shouldn't want them to do it but either way it's, it's probably good from if he learns it but oh no without a doubt yeah. and again like as you say yourself he doesn't he doesn't like the start of it and that's why he doesn't go yeah oh like, yeah once like he's there he's my young lad does he's six and like there's times when he'll ball his eyes out not wanting to go into swimming but then you can't get him out he gets it in his head whatever it is yeah. that he doesn't want to go and he needs a bit of a yeah, push yeah. and for something like I don't think I'd push him nearly as hard to do soccer or tennis or fucking or anything yeah but swimming and a martial art, I'm willing to pu- push a little. Yeah. Not force him to do something oh, no. I want to do, obviously. God, no, but yeah. just get, you know, stick in there with the encouragement and get him going. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. Yeah, no, he started playing football uh, the last two weeks as well. So that's interesting to see. He just first game last week. Oh, no way. Savage. Yeah. yeah. That's my alarm okay. to warm up for the fucking training. So there's hopefully five lads outside or Let's two or three this. even. Um, I nearly said your name there. <laughs> oh, this alarm, hold on. Uh, alarms don't care a fuck about flight mode apparently um <laughs> listen man absolute pleasure getting on we just did two hours uh i get you on again because i feel we only bare, fucking barely scratched the surface Sounds so good. thanks for coming on i've been thinking since the last couple of recordings that i've made i've never really put a plug out to to promote myself and the whole off the lead thing so what i'll say to anybody who's been here for two hours Share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Share it via WhatsApp or email or whatever way. Just if you're if you've lasted two hours and you enjoyed it, do the fucking decent thing, you bollocks, and send it to somebody. Oh, I, one thing before you shut off, Frank. go for it. Yeah. Um. So I watch YouTube quite a good bit, and if you're on YouTube and the ads are pissing you off, if you go to the end of the video and then press the, the reload button, all the ads are gone. Fuck off. True story. I didn't know that. Now, I, my <laughs> little baby brother, shout out to Pat, past guest and friend of the show, he set me up with YouTube Vanced. So it's a it's an app called YouTube Vanced. It's a, identical to YouTube, but there's no ads. No way. Now, I tell a lie. There might be an ad. At the start, is it? No, no, Jesus, no, no not that often. Oh, like, that drives me mad. If I, if I was to go on a YouTube binge for five hours, yeah. I might get two ads. And even at that, I'm going, oh, for fuck's sake. But I know what normal youtube is like it's every fucking whatever it is yeah, far like too often two ads at the start and then every minute or two minutes depending on the length of the video there's an ad comes on and it comes on so if you the two are one ad or two ad before the video plays when the video plays if it's a 10 or 15 minute video there might be five ads in it if you just pull the drag the progress bar to the end to the basically. end it'll stop it'll show the end screen and if you press the little thing that looks like a half circle it reloads the video and then all the ads are gone savage there you go. Top tech tips from <laughs> Sheep. <laughs> Listen, brother, again, thanks a million yeah, for coming same. on. We'll have you on again. Same Thank same. you.